two, the last ornate stairwells of 2021. Um, I'm Autumn, and I'm joined as always by Neve. Hi, I'm Neve. Um, Nia, have you watched any fucking movies? Um, yeah, we've watched some movies. Do we want to briefly explain what this episode is, or yeah, I I get well, I put it in export chat, but I guess like that is not necessarily like not everyone reads export chat. Not everybody remembers what I posted in export chat today. Not everybody listens on the day it came out. So, um, recording on 2046 has just been challenging because of the holidays. There's been some travel. Um, there has been a COVID scare, though we've gotten like negative tests back. We've got some wife sneezes. Um, it's just been challenging to watch 2046 this week we just haven't been able to like we've tried two or three times now and it just has not like come together yet yeah if we had done it when we said we were gonna do it which was the 21st then we probably would have done it but i was just tired um you were exhausted so i went to bed early (laughs) also it was a holiday yeah the most important holiday of the year by your standards um Mine is the 25th, which is also, the the 21st is firmly in holiday territory, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we just, we uh, wanted to get an episode out before the end of the year, so we're just gonna talk casually about, um, one, the multitude of movies that we have watched... (laughs) In the time between episodes. <laughs> and two, we watched so many fucking movies, Nia. What did we do? <laughs> I don't, yeah. Some of these are really short. I just, we'll get to them. We'll get to them. Um, I have a few on here that are uh, probably like not as much of a conversation as I might have about other ones. So, so. Uh, We'll do that. We'll kind of talk about, like, you know, reflecting on the year that's been in Ornate Stairwells, you know, what do we think about movies and how is that different than where we were at with movies last year, you know? Um, And then um, we have top 10 movies that we saw for the first time in 2021 lists um, that we have made. They're very rough sketches. Don't hold us to it. Don't, like, come back to us, like, December next year and be like, you know, um, do you really still think that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is better than, um, fucking, I don't know, um, I, I, I deleted all the lists that are, I deleted all the movies on the list that were bad and <laughs> I forgot. Uh, do you really think that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is better than Dragons Forever, the Jackie Chan movie? That's what I think today. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Um, yeah. So, do we want to start with The Muppet Christmas Carol? Or did we talk about this last time? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. And even if we did, we're going to talk about it again because I have other Muppets thoughts that I can um, like just easily seg from yeah. that to this. 
I'm just gonna immediately put yeah. Muppets Take Manhattan in there. I I'm I will manage the as we go through. Yeah, getting you this do in that. order. You're you're better at spreadsheets than I am. Which is saying something because I think of myself as a person who's pretty good at spreadsheets. Yeah, I do spreadsheets a lot at my job. I think is the thing. Yeah. Anyway, the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, we this is one that we watched with like. Was was this? Wait, I did not. I'm trying to remember because we've seen so many. We watched the Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol together. Yes. So this was um, basically. I kept wanting to watch the Muppet Christmas Carol, um, and my toddler was very uninterested in it. Um, and so then Emily and I, oh, I remember the context now. So I was like, I still feel like I was kind of doing something during it. Um, yeah. So, uh, it was when I was wrapping the like Christmas presents, um, I put on Muppet Christmas Carol and, uh, you know, it's like one of my favorites. I just have them up at Christmas Carol as like music that I listen to um around like Yule time. Um and so I don't know like how much I really have to say about it other than just like like this is my Christmas Carol story is the Muppet one. Yeah. Um and but it's also like I I'm fairly certain there's some good stares at some point with like a ghost or something. But I was also wrapping presents while I was watching it, so I don't remember any stares. There's gonna be multiple where I'm like I don't remember stares. <laughs> yeah, that's um, gonna be a pretty pervasive theme of uh, everything I talk about. So um... yeah, so we we have lots of question marks, but we can maybe roll right into the Muppets Take Manhattan. Um, um, we. Uh, started 2046 on the 21st and, um, you got really tired, went to bed early. I, um, decided, well, I'm in a movie watching mood. And so I just put the Muppets take Manhattan on because it was on HBO max. And I was like, shit, man, I haven't seen that movie in a couple years. I'll watch that. I remember that being my favorite Muppets movie. You know what? Still my favorite fucking Muppets movie. Still fucking kicks ass. (laughs) Um, it's a very good Muppets movie. Um, that and like the original with, with rainbow connection is also really good. Yes. Um, part of this, just like we're in like broad Muppets talk now, part Mm. of what I really enjoy about the, the first Muppets movie as well is that there's stuff in it that like in retrospect is like, oh yeah, the Muppets can just like do this now. But like, there's a, there are multiple shots where it's like, whoa, you're seeing Kermit's feet. He's like riding a bike (laughs) or just like walking with his feet and it's like blowing your fucking mind. And now it's just like, yeah, they do that sometimes with the Muppets. Like they figured out how to do it with that movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, um, It's it's a classic for a reason as is Muppets take Manhattan. The Muppet movie is a very close second. I, um, My favorite Muppet movies are probably Muppets Take Manhattan, then the Muppet movie, and then um, Christmas Carol. But those three are all really tight together. Um, Um, I'm trying to remember the Gonzo one. I really fucking love the Gonzo one. The Gonzo one's good. The Great Muppet Caper. Yeah. Um, Yeah, is that the the one where Gonzo finds out that he's an alien at the end or whatever? I don't remember. That might be the Great Muppet Caper. Um, that's another um, one. I don't think I've seen the Great Muppet Caper since I was like little. Whereas like the Muppet movie, Muppet Christmas Carol, those are movies that I have revisited um, in the time since. 
It might be Muppets from yeah. Space. Oh, yeah. I think it's Muppets from Space. That's a very gonzo one. Yeah. That's, like, I love that one because I watched that one when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gonzo is my favorite Muppet. Um, Gonzo's and great. so, yeah. Uh, for some reason, I liked the, like, weird outsider Muppet character. I, uh, um, I really like Kermit as guy who's, like, kind of a dick honestly like kind of like a little bit of an asshole um yeah but like also not he doesn't come by it honestly you know well and also he's like a timid asshole yes right like he's not actually gonna get like super up into someone's face but he's going to be like shitty behind their back that's very kermit well and like kermit like you kind of have to be the asshole sometimes when it's your job to get, like, all these other assholes on stage at their fucking time. Like, I need you out there at 7.32 when Miss Piggy, like, you know, throws to you. I need you to, like, get, do this. <laughs> you know? Um, and he's, like, Kermit is, like, very self-centered in a way that, like, only a show business guy can really pull off while still being charismatic. I like Kermit a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is I like Kermit because he's like a lot more developed as a character a lot of the time, whereas like the others are, um, you know, Swedish chef. <laughs> Gonzo, I think, also gets like character development too. Um, so. Yeah. Um. I just have to show you this tweet that I just did yeah. while we were talking because yeah. uh, I just happened upon this image and um, had to tweet this. Um, oh, that reminded just... me of a tweet I wanted to do. Because uh... <laughs> this this is related to the Muppets. Um... <laughs> this is... Okay, so what you sent me um, is a picture of uh, Piggy in a suit and Kermit in like what I would describe as like a, you know, um, adjunct professor get up. Um, yeah. uh, this is a reference to the, the Woody Allen film. Annie oh, Hall. duh. Of course it's poorly yes. aged. Yes. Um, um, and then I said, this is every vaguely turfy lesbian couple I've ever met. <laughs> this is just funny to me because like, I don't know where, like, somebody tweeted, like, two years ago, um, uh, Piggy and Kermit are T for T, and they're probably just shit posting. It might have been me. Um, genuinely cannot remember. I'm going to attribute it to someone else out there. Uh, but I just, I just think of Piggy and Kermit as T for T for no particular reason, and so it is very funny to see them as, <laughs> this is every turfy lesbian couple. <laughs> Um, in real time, M responded, me knows things. This is an Annie Hall riff. And I said, I also know this, but I still thought my tweet was funny. (laughs) Anyway. Um, uh, um, anyway, love to do Twitter on the podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) the Muppets, the Muppets take Manhattan. Muppets take Manhattan. Great movie. Um, 
you put in for Muppet Christmas Carol, question mark, question mark, question mark, for the stairwell grade, and I have also given that to Muppets Take Manhattan, because I'm sure there were stairs, but I was not keeping my eyes out for them. Um, yeah. A thing that I did at moments where I was watching the Muppet Christmas Carol, I was like, man, when you've got like a bunch of Muppets, it really does limit your use of stairs. Yeah. <laughs> um. There's like specifically a shot, and it's it's not one that I think is worth rating because I'm sure that like there could be a better one in here, especially with the ghost muppets. Like you can you can get some stairs in that way, um, but there's like a shot of uh, Scrooge who's just you know played by a real human actor. Um, oh God, what's his name? I'm like immediately drawing a blank. Um, but anyway, he he is walking down. Uh, like very short flight of stairs and there's just no Muppets to be seen while he's walking down. And I'm like, man, you just like really can't do stairs with Muppets very often, huh? No. Um, um, anyway. Just to quickly touch on the tweet that I remembered that I wanted to make, because this is relevant to stairwells actually. Yeah. Is um, I got a, I got a big fancy fucking 4k smart TV HDR, um, I think the box says it's mini LED, QLED, 4K high dynamic range, contrast control zones, Dolby Vision Atmos, and THX certified game mode. Um, uh, anyway, um, the tweet I wanted to do was that I bought this fancy new TV and there was that meme going around of, um, that Rogue One thing where guys like, really 20 year old pc games or 20 year old games on your brand new pc and mads mickelson saying it's a peaceful life and just really dvd transfers of bad uh like j horror movies from 2002 (laughs) on your brand new 4k tv (laughs) um angels of the universe on your new tv (laughs) michael kane by the way, is the the uh, person who plays Scrooge. Yes. Um, remembered his name. I also forgot his name. I don't know why I said yes as yeah. if I had known. <laughs> uh, do we want to talk any more about the Muppets or shall we move on to my next movie? Let's chug along. Okay. Um, so, my last day before Yule, um, I was just it was a weird day of work because like i sometimes had a lot of work but other times didn't and there was stuff where it was like there's a lull here where normally i would start something but if i start something now i'm not going to pick it up for two weeks and so i'm i'm kind of just like trying to figure out what to do um so i decided to watch something christmassy um and i went to the criterion channel and they had this like blue christmas of like sad christmas movies but the one that i most wanted to watch was fanny and alexander which i still haven't watched for this season um but that would be subtitles which i was just like i want something that's like in english so i can still be working and it's on in the background um and none of the blue christmas movies like really spoke to me otherwise so then i just typed in christmas and got black christmas um which people might know is like what's sometimes considered 
the first or one of the very first uh, slasher films. It was like a huge influence on Halloween um, and like some other slasher stuff that came afterwards. Um, and so I put that on. So I was like, well, yeah, sure. Like Christmas, this, this is like fitting the criteria of, I just want to watch something that's like related to Christmas, even if it's not like a Christmas movie. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. Um, one, a lot of it fell during a time when I like really just did not have a ton of work to, to do. Um, but also it just like did pull me in and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I will often put on like a movie in the background when I'm having a slightly slower day, um, and kind of just half watch it and never like really get pulled into it. Um, but no, this one just like actually grabbed me and, and grabbed my attention at hearts where I just like ended up watching it <laughs> and it was kind of okay. Um, because yeah, I ended up staying late anyways, because I had to do like, suddenly I had a bunch of work right at the end where I had to do like a big meeting and it went long and everything. Anyway, um, have you seen Black Christmas? I have not. Nora has. Okay. Um, I feel like as someone who's like seen and enjoys slashers, you would like Black Christmas. Oh yeah. I feel Um, like I would. Yeah. It's, it's honestly like one of my favorite, um, slashers I've seen. And it's in part because of like one, it is. It was extremely low budget for the time um, in a way that like later slashers kind of pulled like, oh, we can do this on a lower budget. Mm. Um, But like this is just like so like, yeah, we're just going to do this like weird low budget horror film um, about just like a man murdering people in a sorority, uh, like a sorority house. Mm. Um, And it's like just so straightforward, like in some ways it's just like, this is purely the, like, here's the slasher genre. It just exists. Oh. Um, and it's been like created and it, uh, but some of it, so much of it like feels like interesting and fresh because it's just like, they're just doing this thing. Like this isn't like really a genre yet. This um, is, oh my God. This is the same month that the, that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out. This just changes movies. These two movies came yeah. out on the same day and just changed movies for 10 years. What the fuck? Black yeah. Christmas and Texas Chainsaw came out on the same day? October 11th, 1974? That's insane to me. <laughs> they both just um, invented slasher movies on the same day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, go on. Anyway, um, part of what I enjoy about it, though, is, like, you were also kind of saying this with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is, like, there are stuff that will, like, turn into elements of the genre more of, like, there's kind of a final girl and Mm -hmm. stuff, but, like, Mm -hmm. the tropes haven't solidified in this way, where, um, like, it's dealing with these themes of, like, oh, like you know, one of the the characters wants to get an abortion and her boyfriend doesn't um, and stuff like that, where it's like, and it's like a sorority where they're playing around with like, yeah, one of them's like the really slutty one and everything. Um, And so this is like stuff that you would come to expect from slasher films. But part of what was enjoyable about it was that it was just like, it, it wasn't aware of the genre because the genre didn't exist. It wasn't like playing up, the tropes or trying to like match the tropes or trying to subvert the tropes. And so I just like genuinely did not know like, okay, who's going to be the final girl? Because like 
the rules of who's the final girl aren't written yet. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, well, well, so like... that was part of what was exciting about it is that it was just like, this is just figuring it out as it goes along and it's doing it like, extra- like I can see why this launches an entire like new wave of horror films, <laughs> despite being an extremely low budget Canadian film right. um, that I think was like very poorly received at the the, the time it was first released. Um, or at least was like, not like super well recognized. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And yeah. The, the other thing about, uh, Texas chainsaw is that like, it makes it a lot more like, fun to watch because by the time you're watching like a friday the 13th which i think friday the 13th is just like a bad movie on its own merits but also as you watch friday the 13th and as you watch more prom night um other like more codified slasher movies like my brain just immediately turns to like trying to pick apart like the the sexual politics and the conservatism and the oh this is what they're saying about you know uh this sort of like couple blah 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 um and you just can't do that with texas chainsaw massacre because that is a movie that is just about some kids getting killed and no thoughts head empty Yeah, this is one where you can like you can start thinking about like what is this trying to say about um, you know like a- abortion and like you know sexuality with like people going to undergrad and blah 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 um, like some of that stuff is in there but it's also like it's not like trying to engage with it as a uh, like genre trope or anything and it's also. Like, the final outcome of the movie is, like, I don't want to, like, spoil the very ending, but, like, some of it, too, is, like, okay, like, (laughs) none of this actually even matters. Um, Yeah. It's just a dude killing people. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it's a really good movie, though. Uh, It's also, like... So it was inspired by the the urban legend of the babysitter and the man upstairs and the the police like call and say oh the you know calls coming from inside the house where they like tap the phone line and stuff. So that's like a a big part of this is that you're seeing at times like the first person shot of the killer creeping around the sorority house killing people. Mm-hmm. So the entire time you were aware that he's like in the house and then he's making these obscene phone calls. But then it still, like, climaxes to finally it's revealed the killer's inside the house and, like, you know, she freaks out and everything. Um, and we get, like, the the big finale of the, the movie. Um, but still, it was just, like, like, this becomes, like, a trope of slashers as well that, like, you know, Scream is making fun of. Um, but here it's just, like, no, like, this is just an urban legend and they decided to, like, make a movie about it and then instead of it having it be a babysitter, they, like, decided it would be better if it was just a bunch of sorority girls getting murdered. Um, and they are right. It's a bunch of sorority <laughs> girls getting murdered. It's great. <laughs> um, Have you ever there's seen... There's just some, like, great Sorry. creepy imagery in it, too. Um yeah, so in terms of stairs, I gave it an S because, um, one, you get lots of, like, creepy shots of, um, you know, the killer looking down at people from the stairs and things. Um, but also, like, so much of the tension of the film plays at, like, oh, knowing that the killer's, like, on the second floor and the character's, like, on the first floor and, like, 
you know, the, the like floors of the sorority are more important than like the rooms on each floor, but like being aware of like where the killer is in relation to people in terms of floors of the, the building is kind of important for the tension in a way that uh, I was like, yeah, they're, they are really playing with the stairs here. <laughs> um <laughs> Some great stairwell shots of like someone on a phone being creeped out while someone like stares down at them through a stairwell. So, um, have you ever seen Blowout? Um, I, I don't think so. I may have. I don't think so though. We should. You know what we should do? We already have January and February planned on here. But I might blow my two March picks already. I might already. <laughs> we should watch twenty forty six and blow out. <laughs> well, well, because I'm probably gonna sub in um twenty forty six for one of my um January movies that I had picked. Okay. Um, not the one that you were more excited about. I promise. Um... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think it's gonna come in time. It depends. I ordered the Blu Ray of Police Story One and Two. Hell so... yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> I hope um, it comes in time, but anyway, um, my two March picks I might make. Jesus Christ, we're planning to March. This is what you've done to me. <laughs> um, uh, the Antonioni film Blow Out, and then the uh, Brian De Palma film Blow. Or no, no, no. The Antonioni is Blow Up, and the De Palma is Blow Out. Anyway, it's just John Travolta plays a guy who works on slasher movies. Um, and it's like incredible how quickly the genre just cannibalizes itself to where like by 1981 you're you have John Travolta, like a huge actor in 1981 playing a guy yeah. who's made like six slasher movies and is fucking tired of them. <laughs> <laughs> so which one do you want to do first? Probably the Antonioni first and then the um de palma second because de palma is remaking the antonioni so okay so blow out is de palma blow out is de palma blow up is antonioni but i think here's the other thing is that i think blow up originally gets localized as blow out and then only like people have sort of backfilled it to be translated differently just to distinguish the two movies so yeah. Uh, um, you can really call it either way. Yeah. We can we can fill in the actual details here, but let me let me just pop this in. Whoop. Whoop. There. Um. Yours are in there now. <laughs> All right. Uh, um. Do you want to talk about a movie next? Yeah, I'll talk quickly about um, a Goofy movie because it's the next one that I have on here. And I put this on here because I was like, oh, I had some like stairwellsy thoughts that I wanted to share that I didn't t- get to on uh, Pop Town Funk. It's been like a, uh, a little over a week, maybe like 10 days since I saw that movie at this point. I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, please go listen to Pop Town Funk uh, by giving us $5 on the Patreon um i was really floored by goofy movie i think it's a great movie um, it's a really good movie um it could be goofier i think but um yeah 
uh yeah i really really liked goofy movie and i don't remember what it was that i wanted to say but um i also don't remember if it had stairs just do not remember at all period (laughs) it's a road trip movie so i can't imagine where the stairs would be i guess unless you wanted to count like the steps up to roxanne's porch and if you wanted to count those, I would give this like a D because you turned in an assignment and I guess the stairs do feature in those scenes, but like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to give it the question marks because I don't remember. Okay. Um. Also, I figured I would put in my pick after Blowout because I know it, but that's in that now um i love the goofy movie a lot i i haven't seen it in a while so i should revisit it but um it's maybe my favorite disney movie yeah that feels that feels correct mm-hmm. um what is anyway shall i talk about the pawnbroker yes um it's the fucking pawnbroker. Have you heard about it? <laughs> <laughs> I have because um, Sidney Lumet wrote a book called Making Movies, I think. Um, yeah. Where he like looks back on his career and um, he there's like, you know, um, he talks about all his movies in that book to some extent. But there's sometimes where he's like. Oh, yeah, 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 I made that movie. Who cares? Whatever. Let's not talk about that. That was kind of a failure, and I didn't really like it, and blah, blah, blah. Um, he brings up the pawnbroker fucking any time he can, because he clearly has a bit of a chip on his shoulder about, like, man, no one likes the pawnbroker. Everybody talks about network. Everybody talks about 12 Angry Men. No one talks about the pawnbroker. <laughs> and he's right, because that movie's great. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I'm going to... So I'm going to say the way that my dad says it, which is also what Wikipedia says. So I think it's right. But also you say that you've heard him say Lumet. My dad says Sidney Lumet. I and could be wrong. I could be Wikipedia wrong. Wikipedia says. If, if listener knows for sure, please let us know. Um, but so my dad's favorite director is Sidney Lumet. Um, and I I think this is his favorite movie by Sidney Lumet. Um and the first time I watched it, I was like, you know, I, so my dad is from Germany. Um, he like emigrated to Chicago when he was, you know, fairly young, but like was born in Berlin. Um, and so I grew up like being very aware of the Holocaust as a thing. Um, this is still like a movie that I watched that like, was depicting the Holocaust in a way that I, like, I had never seen it depicted before, mm. you know? Um, I had heard about it, but I hadn't, like, seen a movie about it. Um, because I just watched this when I was very young, so my dad was like, oh, my favorite director, I should show you this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it, 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 like, has... It's weird the parts of this movie that have just, like, completely stuck with me, and then the parts that I was just like, I don't remember this at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, like, I'm remembering it in, like, a weird dream state of, like, oh, this is coming back to me. Um, 
Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic movie. Um, it's so it's about a um, Jewish man who survived the Holocaust um, and is. I'm I'm actually like not sure where it's supposed to be set, but um, is you know in the U.S. now. In um, my memory, it's New York, but that uh, it's been yeah, ten if, years or maybe more since I've seen it. So, yeah, um, I feel like they make some mention of like, like I think it's in Harlem, but I I don't actually know. I and then he has like right. a, yeah, and then he has like a house in Long Island or something. Because I, I think. think I think that might be the impetus toward the like um, Quincy Jones like jazzy soundtrack to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that uh, that makes sense. Um, in part because of the like jazziness, and then also like, you know, when I was watching this movie, we were living in Michigan because my my dad had moved and things. Um, but like my grandparents still lived like very close to Chicago. Um, and like in a, in a weird way, like watching it as a kid, like I went into this being like, Oh yeah, it's Chicago. There's like, you know, jazz and (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's New York, but in my head it was Chicago. Um, in a way that was like still hard to shake as I was watching it. Um, but anyway, it's watching it this time. I have like one more of a, a clear sense of everything that's happening. Um, and it's still a fantastic movie about this, like man who's basically lost, like, um, like I would say like the overall story of it is that the, the main character after surviving the Holocaust is basically like lost faith in humanity. Um, still thinks that like, capitalism and money is like a truth that you can hang on to. And then also like throughout it realizes that the, that's also not enough. Um, and then it kind of just like ends in this, this moment of like extreme pain as he's like witnessing the, you know, the horrors of American racism and Mm -hmm. everything that's happening in the city around him. Um, There are things watching it now that I'm like, there There are moments where it's like making parallels between the Holocaust and then what's happening um, in, yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article now and it says East Harlem. Um, but like, so there's a part where like the movie is comparing like the, you know, gangster boss who like runs some of the brothels and stuff to like the... Um, guards in the concentration camp and I'm just like I I feel like the like rich black man who owns the brothels is like not actually the best comparison for like the people who are continuing to enforce like <laughs> the horrible conditions that are facing you know people of color in America um, so there are these moments where I'm like I, I feel like sometimes this like movie is kind of fumbling some of those politics aspects um but uh mm-hmm. it's still just like incredibly acted um and like really well done so i so i loved good. it a ton even as i was like man the other thing that that hit weird that i didn't 
think about at the time when mm-hmm. I watched this as a kid is so like one of the final images is him impaling his hand on the like receipt spike that he like throughout all of it. You see him like, you know, slamming the receipts on it to like store them basically. Yeah. Um, and he puts his hand on it and I was like, this is kind of a weird like crucifix image to do with a Jewish character. It is. It is. Um, so yeah, there's some stuff where I'm like, eh, I don't feel the best about like some of what this movie is saying, but also it's a very good depiction of like someone losing all sense of faith and like humanity and society. So <laughs> I, um, Sidney Lumet has done some of my absolute favorite movies. Um, you know, I, you know, 12 angry men is an obvious classic um yeah dog day afternoon there's a couple others of his that i really like in this one um long day's journey blah 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 um his movies are nothing if not a land of contrasts and uh <laughs> yes. the pawnbreaker the pawnbroker <laughs> one of my favorite movies he's done is a land of contrasts <laughs> sometimes yeah. um, um. It, it was just interesting for me watching it because in my head it was like, you know, it was one of the like first big movies that I saw as a kid where I was like, this is like the cinema, you know, um, this isn't like my dad showing me James Bond or Star Wars or whatever. This is like, no, we're going to watch like The Pawnbroker and 12 Angry Men. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just like, whoa, like this is, you know, like movies can deal with this and not just space battles or whatever. Um, yeah. And so like. Watching it now, I was just like, oh, this is, like, more of a flawed movie than it was in my head. But I, it's still just incredible and really good. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, he... I just think of him as, like, exemplary of, like, the the sort of 20th century director who just, like, saw this as a job where he punched in and punched out. And um, I think it's how you end up making 50 movies. And I think it's also how you make um, some absolute masterpieces. Uh, and I think it's how you make some uh, flawed masterpieces, too. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> so. Um, in terms of stairwell rating here, um, I gave it a D plus. Uh, there's not a lot of stairs in here because most of it takes place in the pawn shop, which is just like going in from the street. Um, but there is one shot towards the end where, um, so there's like an assistant who's working in his shop, um, who is Puerto Rican and is, uh, like basically helping some gang members like rob, like he's planning to help some gag members rob the pawn shop at this point because like the this guy is you know the the main character is like becoming increasingly hostile to everyone including him um and so he's like but he's still like you know no violence like we don't do any shooting blah 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 uh but there's this moment before like the big uh final um you know, them trying to rob where he runs up some stairs into like a second floor little church area. Um, but he just like very quickly bounds up the stairs. It really does not linger on the shot at all. So like 
you know, you could do more of a stairwell shot going up to the, the church area in this like pivotal moment. Um, but no, just completely bounce through it. It's like over in a second. So D plus. Yeah. Um, you have more movies to talk about than I do, so I'm like gonna try and rearrange the stuff a little bit. Yeah, to, like, go for it. Maybe have you do a couple. Like you can do the Star Wars holiday special, and then maybe also Star Wars. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, okay. Um, and I, then I'll it, do Force Awakens after that. In fact, I'll do Star Wars 1977 first because we have previously discussed that on this show and previously rated on on this show. I have nothing oh, yeah. new to say about Star Wars 1977. Uh, well, I guess technically this is Star Wars 2020 or 2019 because we did watch the McClunky cut. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's also the one that I watched. So Nora, Nora asked me um, Christmas morning, which Star Wars do you want to watch? Do you want to watch like Despecialized? Do you want to watch like the DVDs we have? And I just started like mcclunky 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 <laughs> i love yeah. every time we watch it i lose my shit when he says mcclunky it's so fucking funny <laughs> just george sitting in a fucking palace somewhere telling disney no you have to add mcclunky no, it's in my contract. When you bought it, I get to still make as many changes as I want. You have to add him saying McClunky. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, we also um, have previously rated the Star Wars uh, stairwell. Um, uh, I believe you gave it a D minus. Emily gave it an F. I, I concur with Emily. I'm giving it an F. There's no stairs in that movie. Okay. I don't remember what I included as the stairs. Probably the little ramp up into the Falcon. Oh no, I did the stair I did the the fascism stairs at the end. Oh, that's that's an F for different reasons. <laughs> well, so I just I gave it a D minus cuz there were stairs. Like you know, <laughs> you put the Nazi stairs in your movie. You get you get yeah. an F. <laughs> you still did ornate stairs though. Anyway, not to relitigate this, a thing that I've already litigated with with Emily. <laughs> um, next, I've got the Star Wars Holiday Special, um, which if you want to hear me talk about that, I've got three podcasts you can listen to. I'm not going to elaborate here further. It's the Star Wars Holiday Special. It's notorious for a reason. Um, anyway, um, I gave it an F. This is another one that has stairs in it. Um, what's his fucking name? Lumpawaru has, like, there's, like, the main living space where all, most of the, the special takes place in. And then there's stairs up to Lumpawaru's room that do a little spiral thing. And they're kind of carved out of the tree that they live in because it's Kashyyyk. Um, I still give this an F because you have to watch the Star Wars Holiday Special to see these stairs that are, I guess, fine. <laughs> Yeah. They also only feature in like two shots of like someone goes up to Lumpur's room, someone comes down from Lumpur's room, you know? Yeah. Um Is that is that all you have to say about That the Star is Wars all holiday I'm special? going to fucking say about the Star Wars holiday special. I look forward to the day that I get to guest on it and finally watch it. 
You, um, you're on the fucking list, Bucko. <laughs> um, no okay. one's escaping. <laughs> Let me know if you have any objections with the way that I've ordered this currently. Looks good to me. But okay, I feel like this is good. Um, why did it do it like that? Anyway, um, it's fucking weird. Uh, what was I gonna say? Star Wars, the Star Force Wars, Awakens? the Force Awakens. Yeah. So, um, I think that that Emily and I are going to like. So basically, we were like kind of starting to rewatch the Mandalorian, but then like we're kind of falling off of it because. It's just not that engaging a second time. Um, like Emily's excited for the Boba Fett stuff that's happening. So we'll probably be watching that. Um, and we're currently watching the Witcher, which I like a lot more, I think just like as a series. Um, oh, we yeah. watched through all of the first season because we kind of forgot some of it. Um, before we're, so we're like just now starting the second season, but um, that first season is like, especially for like this thing of Netflix TV series. It's a really good one. Um, but anyway, I, I do want to just quick say about the first Witcher season. Um, I don't know why people think that it's super confusing. Um, literally it's just like comparing stuff throughout time to like juxtapose like events that happen because it's more interested in themes and also showing like the way that stuff is interconnected through time. Because uh, it's a big theme in the series. So, like, this is just how some stories are told. Like, lots of books are told this way. Um, I don't... Even if you're, like, half watching it, which I was for some mm. of this, it still is not that confusing. You don't need to know when everything happens in linear time. Like, just understand <laughs> that the stuff with Siri is happening, like, later. Because she's a child and not, like, a baby that hasn't been born yet. <laughs> like it's very easy to place those within linear time. Um it's fine. It's not that confusing. Anyway, um yeah, we did watch the first episode of season 1 and it's just funny how much that first episode is a recap of or of season 2. It's funny of how much of that episode is just a recap of season 1. They're just mm. like, let's tell stories about things that happened in season 1. Um, <laughs> um but anyway, <laughs> in um, fairness, it's been like two years since that show came out, so you know. Yeah. Um, it was just funny because we started watching that one and we're like, what the fuck is happening in this episode? And then we went and watched the first season and we're like, Oh, they were just recapping the first season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happening in this episode. Um, anyway. Um uh, the point of this is that we decided to just skip to, cause we like watching star Wars movies around Christmas. Um, and the next one in our like series of watching through was star Wars, the force awakens, um, which is, I don't, so I haven't watched it since I saw it in theaters in like 2015 when it came out. Um, or maybe it was 2016 when we, no, I feel like we would have like seen it when, um, we went to to see Emily's parents because her mom also really loves Star Wars, and it usually comes out around like these movies come out around Christmas. So. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, it it's like fun. The thing that's weird about it is that I watched it and I was like, oh, like I'm excited about S- Star Wars again. Like I'm glad that they're bringing back more practical special effects. Like 
you know, this is this like feels good to me just seeing like, oh, that's just like an actual little thing rolling around or whatever, even as there's still like 3D effects at parts. Um, but uh, watching it now and knowing like the the arc of the, you know, newest trilogy i'm just like what the fuck is happening in parts of the like there are parts that just like don't even make sense anymore of like oh here's like ray seeing memories jumbled through time or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. and i'm like when i watched it i was like man i wonder what like what they're suggesting there and then i watched it this time and i was just like what the fuck is happening like none of this gets paid (laughs) off what (laughs) what a bad trilogy um i'm excited for when we watch the the second one um i don't remember the name of the last jedi the last jedi because that that one i think is like i feel like that one's still gonna hold up even as i'm gonna be mad again when we watch the final one so the rise of skywalker um it's amazing how this trilogy got me both really excited about star wars again and then killed all of my interest in star wars beyond <laughs> watching movies around christmas so <laughs> They killed Star uh, Wars. Yeah. They killed the EU and then they killed Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um Anyway, I don't remember the stairs. I feel like there's a a like set of stairs. I I remember, but I didn't see it this time because I, I was building Gunpla when we watched it this time. Um I feel like there's a part where where BB eight goes down some stairs. And I feel like there's stairs with the, the like, old... When Ray finds Luke's lightsaber and then the, like, old lady that uh, refers to Chewbacca as her boyfriend, um, which I loved, um, <laughs> like, come like I feel like she comes on some stairs, but I don't remember seeing them this time because I, I was finishing building Barbados. Yeah. Um, he's got a big fuck-off mace. It's cool. Anyway. Die, die Hard? hard? <laughs> yeah, Die Hard. Your, your Maybe you favorite fucking Christmas heard of it? movie. Uh, it's Die Hard. It's great. I, uh, okay. <clears throat> I mentioned on the last episode, like, oh, I like watching Die Hard on Christmas because it's a movie that my mom and I watched as a Christmas movie because we weren't having internet culture wars. We just like Die Hard. And it is a yeah. Christmas movie. I stand by all that. Um, The only reason that we ended up watching Die Hard on Christmas Day, Nora and I, is that Nora and I were talking about it, and she said, I've never seen Die Hard. And I was like, you've never seen Die Hard? (laughs) (laughs) We watched it. Um, Wife? She's not paying attention to me. I was going to ask what she thought of Die Hard. I, I don't think she was as high on it as I am. I think Die Hard is one of the greatest movies ever made. Um... Um... I was, um, a a movie that we watched, we watched, uh, Dread on Christmas Eve. I'm going to circle back to that later in this list based on how you have it arranged. Um, yeah. So I figured I'd just put the Christmassy stuff together. So, you know, Star Wars, The Force Awakens and Die Hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I said on Twitter, Dread is a Die Hard. Um, my, my friend Jackson's like, no, because part of the thing that makes Die Hard is, like, the sort of over-the-top, like, sentimentality um, stuff. And I, I think they're right. I think um, 
The thing that I appreciate about Die Hard on this viewing is not just that it is one of the greatest action movies ever made, but that in between the action scenes, um, basically, like, every scene in that movie is either action or someone said to themselves, hey, you know how the dinner scene is the best part of Jaws? What if we try to put, like, eight dinner scenes in this movie? because <laughs> it's just like there's like a hundred characters in this movie and every one of them gets their own version of the dinner scene from jaws it's bananas yeah. <laughs> it's an insane way to write a movie and it absolutely hits it fucking slaps i love die hard <laughs> um so uh that's yeah i should watch die hard at some point you okay this was the other thing is that i texted you i was like man can you believe Nora's never seen die hard and you texted me back i've never seen die hard and i was like what the fuck is going on um <laughs> so i i know a lot about die hard like culturally i've never seen die hard this is the um, thing is that like i do understand someone watching this movie and being like well, I've seen Die Hard parodied in, like, 400 different things, and Die Hard was just kind of boring to me because I kind of understood what it was before I watched it. I understand someone having that reaction. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. So. Yeah. Did you rate the stairs? Yeah. I, mean, I, gave I see them, your rating here, but. I, I gave them an S because it's Die Hard. Um, yeah. He's trapped in a building. He goes up some stairs. He like chokes a guy out and they tumble down the stairs while they're while they're choking <laughs> he fights a different guy on some stairs and then hangs that guy and throws him off the stairs while the guy is hanging um uh it's die hard it's a fucking they're trapped in a building of course they're stairs <laughs> dudes die on stairs every day <laughs> um I'm just gonna so my next one is Far From the Tree. Are are you familiar with this one? I've never fucking heard of this. <laughs> so let me just let me just look this up. Um do they give the the time the length seven minutes. This ah. is a seven minute short film. Uh it's on Disney Plus. Um it seems like the kind of one that would be, you know, before the main Pixar movie that you're watching or whatever. Um, I would not have included it on this list or anything. It was just a movie that like, you know, like a video on Disney plus that Emily picked being like here, Q watch this um, as just like a very short thing we can watch. Um, and then Q really liked it. And so I watched it approximately 10 to 20 times um, <laughs> in a row in his heart. I spent, I, I spent at least an hour just watching this movie over and over again. Um, Two year olds, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so now I have thoughts about this movie. <laughs> um, it's a very basic plot. The plot is um, there's a, a like, a parent raccoon and a baby raccoon. Um, and the baby raccoon, like, 
strays a little too far from the parent um, and ends up encountering a like coyote or wolf or something. Um, and uh, this, you know, dog like predator. Um, it's kind of vague. The, the vibe I get is like coyote, but it's so big compared to the raccoons that it feels like wolf, you know? Um, but so like this coyote scratches um, the <laughs> scratches the the like baby raccoon um and it has like a scratch across its nose um and the the parent one is like look cuz like the parent one's missing an eye like i got hurt when i was a kid basically it's all like through gestures none of there's no like dialogue in this movie it's just all like animals gesturing um anyway the baby raccoon grows up um, and has a baby of its own. And so now it's the parent raccoon. Um, and it is like extremely protective of the baby, like don't ever move. Um, and then the baby gets a little bit further away and like, doesn't even really like encounter the, the coyote, but like takes up to like the top of a tree and is like, look, here's the coyote. Here's what happened to me. Like I got scratched. Um, I don't want you to get hurt. Um, but also realizes like, I was so scared of my, my parent when they were like freaking out and like, I'm like living in fear now. Like there needs to be some happy ground. So then the end of the movie is like the, 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 you know, new parent raccoon teaching the, the younger raccoon how to like explore, but still be safe and, and careful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the whole plot of the, this is the entire plot of the seven minute short film. Um, <laughs> I just watched it so many times that I was just like, I I have to like rate this. I have to talk about this. I was watching it. And on like the sixth time I was like, so does climbing up a tree count as stairs? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. Like, how do you feel about climbing up a tree? Does it count as stairs? Um, (laughs) um, Also, you sent me, um, Far, far tree, mama, far tree, mama. Um, they did not ask for it by saying far tree. They asked for it by saying. Uh, so, as we were like, because as it continued to go on, we were talking up through the movie with my toddler, being like, "Oh yeah, like this is you know like sometimes we get kind of like frustrated or upset when you're being unsafe. It's like you know we're like comparing it to our own lives at this point, talking about like situations that happen because we just keep watching this movie all the time." <laughs> like on loop and we just like have to like start talking about it and relating it to like other thing. Like part of what was interesting about it is that I think it was like, like Q was like talking to us about like the emotions that the raccoons were feeling and stuff. It was like, has like recently gotten like very into describing emotions that they're seeing and like shows and things. Um, and so they're doing it a bunch with this and we were like talking about the scenarios and everything. And so, they would refer to the the parent one as like mama or mommy raccoon and then the <laughs> the little one as like their name raccoon <laughs> um and so they to ask to see it they would say like their own name raccoon and that is how they would ask to watch this movie <laughs> um, but anyway um this yeah. is this 
Just quick question. Is this the day before or the day after I was over there and they wanted to hear Jingle Bell Rock and every time you put on a different cover of Jingle Bell Rock, they began <laughs> weeping and demanding that you play the real Jingle Bell Rock? Um, no, this was, this was later. Uh, let me look. They, they still like are very particular about the Jingle Bell Rock and also Jingle Bells that they want to hear. Um <laughs> Yeah, when did when did I watch it? So I watched this uh on the twenty sixth of the December, the the day after. Um I thought about in Letterboxd uh just doing because you know how you can like rate it and then you can like also log it again in your diary and say you rewatched it. I thought about uh-huh. just doing that a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um yeah, do does climbing a tree count? Uh the stairs. Sure. Okay. I feel like we've gotten so much more permissive than we used to be about what stairs are and are not. Oops. I thought that your selection was my... Okay. Um, I'm going to give this an A+. Plus. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, so they climb the tree and they, like... So there's the moment where they go up the tree and then, like, the, you know, it's the, the first parent who's like lost an eye and like gets really mad and then like the the baby one feels like bad about it um and that's like the big dramatic scene and then later on we get the like repeat of going up the tree but this time it's like instead of this like the parent just being really angry at the baby for like doing something unsafe is like let me like actually try to explain to you like why i'm worried and like what you know what we need to do um so it's like thematically important climbing the tree you know um it's a movie about yeah. like cycles of abuse and how to break out of them shut the fuck up <laughs> shut you know the fuck up. like like evangelion shut the fuck up <laughs> um i watched the matrix resurrections I want to I want to do the quick request of don't talk about this too much cuz I do want to watch it with you. But Yes, yes. <laughs> I came home with no, Nora picked me up from work. Nora said, "Hey, do you want to watch The Matrix tonight?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Um it it was like the day it came out. Nora mostly just didn't want to get spoiled on it, so that's the main reason we watched it. Um like I say, I'm not going to go too in depth here because I think you and I are going to watch it. I think Nora and I are, uh, uh, and a guest are going to do a Matrix Resurrections cast in the near future. Um, we still need to get that scheduled. It's just been challenging because of the holidays. Um, yeah. and, and you and I are probably going to watch it, and I might, you know, I'll, I'll I'll talk about it more there. I guess my. While watching it, I fucking hated it. I guess is what I'll say. Is during the watching of the film, I've been I was just sitting there like, man, this is dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the ending is good. I think the ending is legitimately good. In a way that in the couple of days since I watched the movie, I've been sort of gestating on, eh, maybe that thing I was complaining about wasn't quite so bad as I thought. You know, 
maybe this is kind of okay because I think it sets up the ending better. You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think I think I would really benefit from seeing the Matrix Resurrections again. I think um the other thing here is that um the first three Matrix movies uh had Yun Wu Ping doing um uh the fight choreography, Yun Wu Ping perhaps yeah. other than maybe. the Matrix movies most famous for um uh Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Sorry, were you yeah. going to say something? I was just going to be like, maybe you fucking heard of him. Because, yeah. <laughs> Famous, I, you know, Famous martial arts choreographer. Famous for many things in Hong Kong, in the US. Most famous for fucking Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. It was like the biggest I'm movie just, in the world. <laughs> I'm going to run through like a few other big ones that people who are really into Kung Fu films might know. Uh, Snake in the Eagle Shadow. Drunken, Drunken Master. Master. <laughs> Dance of the Drunk Mantis. Magnificent Butcher. That's just the four listed at the very beginning of his filmography. All fucking great. Dreadnought. Yeah. It's a great fucking movie. Drunken Tai Chi. I talked about that on this podcast. It's great. It's one that I recommended as one that like a lot of people won't Oh, that's just stuff he's directed to. too. That's not just stuff he's yeah. done in fight choreography. That's the stuff he's directed. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, Drunken Master. Lethal yeah, Weapon 4. <laughs> um, um, it's crazy to to think about Iron Monkey. Ac- <laughs> it's crazy to think about what action movies were, and then The Matrix 1999, Crouching Tiger 2000, Matrix Reloaded, and Matrix Revolution 2003, Kill Bill Volume One 2003, Kill Bill Volume Two 2004, Kung Fu Hustle 2004. It, just in from 1999 to 2004, just totally changed what action movies are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he did the Grandmaster. Huh. Yeah. Once upon anyway. a time in Shanghai. Um. Anyway, all that to say, if you scroll up and down his Wikipedia to your heart's content, if you press Control F and type in Resurrections, you will not find his name. Um, and I knew that. Before I went to his Wikipedia page to check, because I was like, "Wow, the actions, the action scenes in Matrix Resurrections are awful," and uh, I, you know what? No number, uh, like I could revisit this movie a hundred times. I could decide this is like my favorite Matrix movie. I could really fall in love with this. I could, it could be my favorite Wachowski movie. No amount of turnaround on my opinion is ever going to excuse how god awful the action scenes are inexcusably bad nightmarishly bad action scenes from the night from you know the the movie that changed like the movie series that like changed action scenes for 20 years you know Mm -hmm. um it's yeah it's bad um so that was like december 20th I want to say maybe or like December. Eh. It was like basically when it first came out. Yeah, whenever that movie came out, I don't remember. Um, maybe like the twenty fourth, maybe the twenty fourth. Whatever, it doesn't matter. I, I'm looking because now I'm curious about my perception of time. December twenty second. Okay, so the day after we failed to watch twenty forty six. Now that makes sense in my head. Anyway, um, so that was the twenty second. Um, the 25th, 
Um, Nora and I spent all morning watching movies, um, and she went to go spend some time with Olivia, so I was like, well, I want to keep watching movies. And I still had Resurrections on the brain a little bit, and I decided earlier this year I had started watching The Matrix Reloaded, um, and had fallen asleep, so I decided to go finish The Matrix Reloaded, um, slash watch the whole thing while I went through and did, like, kind of a menial task on my computer, um... So, I I watched The Matrix Reloaded with enough attention that I feel like I now have, like, a an opinion on it. Um, that movie's pretty good. Wrongly yeah. derided, I think. Um, not as good as the first movie, by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, pretty good. I'm, I'm, uh... The the thing about that movie is that there are two early scenes that are really bad. Um, the Burly Brawl and the Zion Rave. And I don't even object, like... You know, th- there are some people who are like, well, I don't like the Rave and Zion because, like, I think sex scenes are, like, superfluous or something. I don't object to that. I just think it's badly done, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's heavy-handed, um, potentially racist in the way that, like, I don't think it is racist, but I think when you take into account that the Wachowski movies are often racist, there's some weird imagery to the Zion rave. Um, yeah. Those scenes are pretty bad, and they're pretty early. Everything else, anytime, like, Neo, like, goes and talks to the Oracle, and the Oracle is like, well, what is choice really? And Neo's like, man, I don't know. I'm just going to go do the next thing you told me to do. And he goes and talks to the Merovingian, and the Merovingian is like, you don't really know what choice is. And he's like, man, that's kind of fucked up. I'm going to go talk to someone else. And that other person's like, you have no idea what choice is. It's great. I, I, all that stuff's really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, um, and the highway you... chase. Yeah. Um, you don't have any ratings for the stairwells here. I, on the res on Resurrections and Reloaded both, I'm reasonably confident that there were stairwells. I feel like there were definitely stairwells at some point. I cannot recall them, you know? Yeah. Um, I might watch the original trilogy before we get to Resurrections. We'll, we'll see how timing works. Um, I'm always like kind of tentative about watching it and I feel like I'm at least going to have her watch the first one with me and see like, did you vibe with that? Do you want to watch the other two? Should I just watch the other two on my own? But um, yeah, because she's never seen any of the matrix. She hasn't seen a single matrix. Film, the first, which is the wild first movie would get an S for stairwells <clears throat> for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm probably going to watch the, the, the trilogy and I'm interested in watching through it again. So we can get to the stairwells when we do it. Um, have you watched sense No, no. Uh, catch our sense watch through podcast coming (laughs) 2022. (laughs) Um, I like sense a lot, but yeah, it's, um, talk about, super superfluous sex scenes but that i think are actually thematically important 
<laughs> yeah, I I think the the superfluous sex scene in um, the Matrix Reloaded is hugely important. Um, I just think it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I guess I will move on to my next movie. Uh, your, can I your... run to the? Yeah. What? I was, was going to say, can yeah. I run to the bathroom real quick? Yeah, go, go. Okay. <laughs> Listeners, I was simply going to ask, what's your favorite Wachowski uh, project? Because I was curious if it was like, if her favorite Wachowski thing was Sense8, or if she had like, you know, Speed Racer above Sense8. Um... Hi, wife. Hi. What did you think of uh, Die Hard for the listeners? Uh, when you said that, my mind filled with images of Braveheart, <laughs> um, which is a fantastic movie. Um, I haven't seen Braveheart. I just am surprised to hear you got, say that. Mel Gibson goes like, you know, freedom! <laughs> <laughs> Cuts some guys in half with a sword. Yeah, okay. Hefeweizen's pretty good, too. I've I've just never seen it. I assumed it was bad. It's a type of beer. Um, that's why my energy is where it is. Ah. Uh, anyway, Die Hard was fine. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite movie that we watched over Christmas, Christmas Eve? Star Wars. Besides Star Wars. Right. Besides, what's your favorite movie that you hadn't seen before? So, my choice is... Die Hard, like, Birds of Prey, or Spider-Man Far From Home. Birds of Prey. Yeah. Okay. Well, Nia's back, so you're dismissed yep. from podcast camping. Wow. <laughs> I love you. You want to kiss me? Not after that. Oh, okay. I'm going to play Dungeon Encounters. Hell yeah! <laughs> and drink beer! Hi. Rate the stairwells in Dungeon Encounters for me, please. I mean, you don't see them. Okay, F. <laughs> There's hundreds of them. <laughs> Hi, Nia. Um, hi. You were going to ask me something before I ran off to pee. I was going to ask you what's your favorite, like, is Sensei your favorite Wachowski's thing, or do you, you know, have Speed Racers, you know, just curious. Just curious. Um, I don't know. Some of it is stuff, like, I need to revisit The Matrix, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I haven't seen those in at least a decade. Um... I love Speed Racer a lot, but also, like, I think that Speed Racer is better than Sense8, but I have, like, a weird affection for Sense8, so. (laughs) Um, I didn't know if you had, like, a weird affection for Cloud Atlas in your heart. I mean, I. No, that's Alex of Swim fans. Grace Um, really likes Cloud Atlas in a way that makes me want to revisit Cloud Atlas. I just haven't done it yet. Um. It's like one of Alex's favorite movies. Um, I I remember watching Jupiter Ascending and being like, man, this movie's great. No one knows what they're talking about. Uh, and I don't remember anything about it these days. I don't remember a fucking thing about Jupiter Ascending in 2021. Yeah. I'm going to keep it real with you. Um, um, I think this is like a weird hill that we all chose to die on because we were all still high on Speed Racer. Um which, to be fair, it's Speed Racer. Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to revisit the other. I haven't seen it in a really long time, but um, God, what's the name of their first movie? 
Bound. Um, no, Bound. Assassins. Oh, oh, they just I wrote Assassins. About... They wrote Assassins. Yeah, I was thinking about Bound. Yeah. Um, that's a good fucking movie, too. Um, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but... Um, I forgot that they did V for Vendetta. That might be my least favorite of the movies that I've seen from them. <laughs> v for Vendetta is um, a weird thing because I guess they didn't direct it; they wrote well, and produced it. So V for Vendetta, like they wrote and produced it, um, yeah. and they did not direct it. But then, like, there were many interviews around the time that were kind of like. Oh yeah, the guy who got credited with directing did not do half as much work on this movie as the Wachowski sisters did. Yeah. Um Yeah, I guess they were second unit directors. Yeah. Uncredited. But but it sounds like they maybe Ghost actually directed the movie um and didn't get credited yeah. for it. There's like weirdness around like who actually made that movie. I don't it's been a long I've read <laughs> about this a long time ago and I don't remember. But there's like um, people who say they just made it. <laughs> I like I like looking at this uh, like little table that's on for the Wachowskis on Wikipedia, um, where it's like you know directors, writers, producers function as like no, yes, executive, um, uncredited, and then you get down to the Matrix Resurrections and it just says Lana, Lana, Lana. <laughs> um it's just funny seeing like yes no lana (laughs) i enjoy um if you scroll down a little bit more to sensei um season one the wachowskis uh season two lana (laughs) yeah lana only (laughs) and then random showtime sitcom lily (laughs) yeah (laughs) lily is tired of movies seemingly uh which i i don't blame her you know, um, looking at this, I'm like, right now, my favorite Wachowski thing is probably Sensate. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the first season of Sensate, which is the one that people complain is being like really boring. Um, but again, it's just an extremely long metaphor for like figuring out that you're trans and gay. <laughs> That's just. Uh-huh. It's it's ten episodes of people being like, shit, I'm fucking gay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> what is this? God damn it. I'm fucking gay. Shit. <laughs> um, that's why I love it. Um, Tell me about Eye in the Sky. Yeah. So we were uh, at Emily's parents. Um we we mentioned the the covid scare we went for christmas to emily's parents um and then got notified by my toddler's daycare that there's like a known covid case um and then we got like an update of like two more um there was finally one that was like in the classroom that that my toddler's in but some of the other ones were like close enough that it's like shared airspace um and so we were already there but then we just headed like we went home instead of seeing my family or or anything um and you know got covid tests and then literally like shortly before we hit record i got the email um from the pcr test that it was negative but um we're still doing this remotely so um so yeah it seems to be okay but um 
we were we were just yeah. being extra cautious. Um, but yeah. while we were at uh, Emily's parents, um, one of the the nights, uh, you know, Emily's mom goes to bed like super early, uh, but then her dad was like, "Oh, do you want to like watch something?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Like you know, like I had books and stuff to read too, so I was like, "I'm I'm not gonna like." try like i was just like you watch what you want to watch right like you kind of know me watch what you want to watch um and so he was just like going through like multiple you know streaming apps like looked at literally every single star trek possible like every star trek movie and star trek series any of them i would have loved to watch um looked at some like documentaries just spent like a good half hour just searching trying to find something that he wanted to watch um and then spur of the moment was just like oh what's this and hit play on eye in the sky <laughs> um a 2016 film uh that is just propaganda it this was literally just a propaganda film i think it's now the worst movie that i've watched this year i'm gonna like put this below um you know, Ava 3.0 plus 1.0. This movie was terrible. It just oh, wasn't buddy. even, like, good or entertaining. <laughs> I'm reading a Wikipedia page. This sounds pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing, too, is, like, it, it's so propaganda in terms of, like, the way that it functions um, is to try to set up. So, like, the, the premise of it is, like... Let me, like, pull up the Wikipedia thing. Uh, there was a part where, like, I was still kind of watching it, but also just started reading, because I was like, I know what this is. Um, but anyway, also, her dad's kind of hard of hearing, so it was very loud. So even as I was reading, I was still ex- <laughs> extremely hearing the movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, it, it's a thing that's, like, quote-unquote, exploring the ethical challenges of drone warfare. Um, but what it does is it basically sets up a, a like, dream scenario if you're a, a drone pilot. Um, it's like, you know, here are, like, three people who are literally about to go do, like, a suicide bombing um, that we have discovered... Uh, and there's basically going to be no collateral damage except, uh-oh, uh, like, little girl sets up to sell bread. Um, so, you know, even if she dies in this, it's still, like, you're killing three terrorists and one civilian, which is not the the ratio of civilian to no. terrorist death in actual drone attacks that kill by, lo- <laughs> uh, you know, large, large percentage civilians are just dying from these um and then it's just like this extended like oh people debating the ethics and like trying to figure out assessments of like the various risks of civilian death um and really so it's like setting up all of this and really what the film is trying to do is convince you one that there's like great systems to try and make sure that that people are being ethical um, as they are using drone warfare, that there's like so much like chain of command and bureaucracy, and that actually perhaps like if there wasn't so much bureaucracy, they could have just done the bombing before the little girl showed up. Is like Shut something the fuck this film up. is kind of putting into like is like trying to put into your head, 
right? Like so much of this is like the bureaucrats don't understand the way that like the soldier who who's like operating the drone does. Um, and <laughs> I'm just going to read. So uh, at the end of the film, one of the like bureaucrats uh, berates the, the character played by Alan Rickman um, for you know, ordering this killing from the safety of his chair. And then Alan Rickman's character uh, does this long impassioned plea about like, you know, I was on the ground of five suicide bombings and saw the, you know, the aftermath and the horror and, um, you know, provokes her to tears. And it's like, never tell a soldier that he doesn't know the cost of war. And they're like showing the drone pilots who did the bombing, like coming out and just like the, the weight of their job that they have to like, you know, enact this violence. Oh, it's the same as like a soldier who really went on the battlefield is like so much of what this movie is setting up. Um, and yeah, it's just like drawing all these false comparisons of like, yeah, like the reveal that they have like suicide bombing vests is meant to be this, like, we really need to like do this. Um, you're like trying to text me. No, no. Um, yeah. And like, and so like shows it with like the full seriousness of like, Oh no, now it's serious. Like they have these, these vests and it's like, you literally have a fucking bomb that can just like, or a fucking drone that can just drop bombs on like literally any part of this country. Um, <sighs> like these are not comparable. I'm like, they're not. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just fucking, Shut it was a horrible up. movie. Shut I hated the fuck it. up. <laughs> Um, don't watch Eye in the Sky. It's just literal propaganda. Can I tell so. you uh, what this director did before um, Eye in the Sky? Yeah, sure. Two two notable movies. Uh, directed about ten movies, it looks like, but uh, two that are uh, famous, I guess. Uh, yeah. two, two, I've only heard of two of these movies. Sorry. Um, X-Men Origins Wolverine and uh, Ender's Game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the noise that just came out of Nora's mouth. <laughs> um, man, I like Ender's Game, the novel. Um, that is already uh, propaganda adjacent. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. <coughs> Um, uh, I knew you hated that movie. I didn't know what it was until we had started having this conversation. So, yeah, um, <laughs> it's a it was a terrible movie. Um, I was just like, why of all of... the funniest part was there's a part where uh, it's towards the beginning of the the movie where they want you to think it's extremely cool that they can have a little tiny drone that just looks like a a like fly that like goes in and looks inside. Um. Mm-hmm the the house and they like see the terrorists and everything um and emily's dad just said to me this is kind of creepy and i said yep (laughs) 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 which i think is a a decent uh summation of my relationship with emily's dad (laughs) (laughs) um anyway god fucking hate this movie it was so bad (laughs) uh Next movie I watched, and we're not going 
chronologically at all. But the the two that you put on the list next for me to talk about are um, the two movies that Nora and I watched on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, I Nora and I watched two movies. Um, Christmas Day, we watched three movies, and then I watched um, one by myself. I was watching a shit ton of movies. Um, yeah. So first one you you put on this list here, which I misspelled the title of. Yeah, I was um, like, is it supposed to be that version of Prey? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous uh, Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Movie fucking rips. I was... Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, You all have listened to this podcast for a while, I assume. Maybe this is your first episode. If so, hi. Um, I bitch about Marvel movies a lot. Yeah. I, bitch, I complain about the state of the modern blockbuster a lot. Uh, and, like, this, I was tentatively hopeful about this movie. I, saw, I just saw it on HBO Max, and I was like, I want to watch a dumb movie. Let's watch that. You know? Um, and... I would, like first I was surprised because we opened it up. I was like, "Oh wow, this is sub two hours. That's crazy." I, I, none of these superhero movies are under two hours anymore. Um, that's crazy. Let's watch that. And then I watched it, and I was just like, "Oh, you're like introduced to a small cast of characters, and those characters have like." relationships and problems and then get into action scenes and then there's like small plot complications that escalate and escalate and escalate and like you got charismatic actors to like just show up and do their thing like you and mcgregor is just acting like he does in most movies um and margot robbie is acting like she does in most movies and it's fucking fantastic <laughs> Um, it's just, Birds of Prey is, like, the most just, like, what, sort of in in many ways, like, the platonic ideal of, like, blockbuster movie in my hand. It feels very of a piece of, like, the, like, sort of 2000s blockbusters that I grew up on of, like, ah, yes, here's, you know, well-known intellectual property, uh, with well-known actress um and we're gonna just tell a quick story uh we're not gonna worry about origin story stuff too much but here's like five minutes dedicated to it um and then you just fucking go and then there's an after credits bit to set up a sequel that may or may not happen who cares really um it's a fucking incredible movie yeah um uh i just and also i watched this you know two days after um the matrix resurrections and so the thing i was worried about with this movie was i was like man the action scenes are gonna be bad just like they were in matrix resurrection and they just weren't because somebody put the camera on a tripod and then just told the actors to act like they were hitting each other um and it works because that's just yeah. how <laughs> I was just blown away because this movie came out in 2020 and it was like totally functional to me. Um, 
there's really intense color grading, but it, like, serves purposes and creates interesting shots. Uh, was just blown away by this movie being, like, totally fine. Um, really enjoyed it a lot. I also, um, could watch Margot Robbie be a Harley Quinn all day, every day. I guess 2021 is the year that I started liking Harley Quinn as a character with just, like, my whole heart and soul. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you are, you're, like, a Harley Quinn person now. I wasn't, like... I listened to the Gotham City of... Limits. This has happened. I, I wasn't at the start of this year. Gotham City Limits turned me into a person who's like, oh, yeah, I like her in the animated series, and then they haven't used her well since then to, like, oh, I just like Harley Quinn. I, yeah. I'm just that bitch now. <laughs> I've I've listened to Gotham City Limits and heard your transformation into a Harley Quinn person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listener, you can too by going to exportaudio slash Batman or something. I don't know what your slash Batman. Yeah, yeah. Um, um we'll I realized I forgot about... to rate the stairwell for Eye in the Sky, which is f. It's all a bunch of people in fucking rooms. Even the terrorists <laughs> are just in a fucking room. There's no fucking stairs in that movie. Anyway. <laughs> Um, Em and I will probably talk about it more on Gotham because Em has also seen that movie, so that'll be fun. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I really liked that movie. I really liked uh how they used the characters. Um, so uh, I don't remember any stairs. I vaguely remember, like Harley has a second floor apartment, and so I remember like there being stairs in shots. I don't remember them walking up the stairs. I s- yeah. They certainly didn't have any conversations on the stairs. Nora is waving at me. Dream sequence. There is a dream sequence which features stairs and a musical number. In which case, I'm going to give it a C. I'm going to give it like a perfectly like middle of the road. Um, you could have done more, but you showed up. You know? There is a musical number partway through that movie. Um... Oh, the other thing that I thought about, because we were talking about I Hate Baby Driver the other day. Yeah. Um, Is that, like, Harley Quinn just quietly does the thing that I want Baby Driver to do, where, like, almost the whole movie is just really well synced up to the music. Um, yeah. There's a ton of music in that movie, because they're fucking Warner Brothers, and they probably own all those songs and can use them however the fuck they want. Um, And so, there's a ton ton of music in that movie and it all just like plays really well with like the actual like action and stuff in a way that i wanted baby driver to do yeah um you also have dread on here a movie about caprini green yes um have you seen dread i have how do Um, you feel about dread honestly probably like one of my favorite like it it's it's kind of a superhero movie from this era yeah um it's i mean it's like based on the judge dread comics um <clears throat> no i i like of comic book based movies from around that time like dread is the one that i would be like oh hell yeah dread i love dread let's watch yeah dread. <laughs> yeah that movie's um, good that movie's and, good. <laughs> and not just because I I do think it is like in some ways trying to to grapple with something like Cabrini Green, which if people are, are are unfamiliar, 
Um, there's this like experiment in Chicago housing where they did this um, housing for low income people where an entire city block was just a apartment complex called Cabrini Green. Um, and so they, they built it and it was meant to be this low income housing, but then there wasn't like actually good support afterwards for it. Um, and they tried to deal with like issues that arose in the way that they often try to deal with issues that happen in low income communities, which is through policing. Um, Mm -hmm. and then they encountered the problem that policing is extremely difficult when all of the crimes are happening within a building Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not on the streets. Um, and so, rather than like doing anything to address the the conditions that like might be producing some of this crime mm. instead they just let it fall further and further into disrepair until they could justify tearing it down and calling it the experiment a failure and then replacing it with mixed income i.e. more gentrified housing um uh-huh. and and there's this like gentrification of the the area that once was Cabrini Green um judge dread in a or the movie dread in a weird way, is a movie about how yes. it is like fucking impossible to police within a, a building. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and also that that's like not necessarily a good solution to crime within a giant building. <laughs> the, so. <laughs> the hilarious thing about um, Dread, like the funniest thing about this movie is that like, the first 20-ish minutes before the, like, action stuff kicks off. Like, before... So, if you haven't seen the movie, um, Judge Dredd is a, like, super cop guy. Uh, I thought before I watched this movie that he was a RoboCop. He's not a RoboCop. He's just a guy. Um, yeah. He's got RoboCop vibes, though. Got RoboCop vibes. Judges are these guys who are empowered by the state to be judge, jury, and executioner. So, yeah. you know, um, he's a police officer. <laughs> so but... police officers. <laughs> well, yeah. But, like, within the fiction, he is, like, a yeah. police officer who could also be, like, you know, I'm sentencing you, you know, you're found guilty of uh, murder. I'm sentencing you to execution. And pop, pop. Um, yeah. And he sort of has, like, theoretically limits that he's supposed to operate within. And, like, you know, Dread the comic... Um, going back decades has a history of sort of being like satirical about like fascism and Reaganism specifically. Um, and this movie like picks up that tradition and like runs with it because I think it is like, I think people who work on dread comics, like were involved in the production of this movie in some way. I don't, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but, um, so it picks that up and it's very like painting judge dread as like, a bad guy like the the first part of this movie before like the cabrini green stuff sort of kicks off is like man this whole system is fucked up you look at this shit this is fucked up they just got these fucking fascist like nazi judge jury executioner guys running around killing people um but then they get into the the sort of Cabrini Green situation, and they're like, well, it's an action movie. Everybody, you know, paid their tickets because they wanted to see cool action scenes, and we need Judge Dredd to be the good guy, so we need to, like, make 
the the bad guys even worse than dread and so then you're introduced to like the drug dealers who murder children for fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> The movie is fucking absurd because it is, you know, they need to establish that, like, they don't think Dredd is a cool guy. They need you to understand, like, the sort of, like, commentary that's happening, but they also need to, like, make an action movie so they have... (laughs) They just have to, like, introduce guys who murder children for fun, and I'm sorry, but it's funny. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's really funny when the only way you could come up with a guy who's worse than normal cop is um, murders children for a laugh. (laughs) That's the only thing they could come up with. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Anyway, the action scenes are great because it's just a Die Hard, um, and it's you know, <laughs> Die Hard pretty proven formula for making good action movies, uh, as evidenced by, you know, the twelve years of action movies between there and the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speed. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> um, I will notice here that the rating that you've given for dread is slightly lower than the rating you gave to die hard i okay i gave it an a plus because i feel like it uses stairs similarly to how die hard uses them um like because it's sort of a similar like plot situation of like action scene in a building that's locked down you know um i gave like there's a lot of similarities between these two things and unfortunately like i think if you i i it doesn't like hit the s because you know if you're going to be derivative of die hard i no shame in being derivative of die hard but i just feel like you had to bring like you know just a little something more to get up to the same level as die hard at least as far as stairwells go as far as like quality of movie goes you know I like both of these movies probably about the same amount, so Yeah. Um I guess I guess, I, can... I guess the advantage of Dread over um Die Hard uh is that like it doesn't have all the like emotional stuff, like the pathos that Die Hard has. But um Dread is sort of like on its face a like satire or or send up of um American fascism and Die Hard is uh, propaganda for the George H. W. Bush campaign. <laughs> yeah, that movie is about how um, we need to be tough on crime. Vote George H. W. Bush this nineteen eighty eight. Do you, do you like the improvements to the economy? Like, do you love the booming economy of the eighties and Ronald Reagan? Do you want more of the same? Vote George H.W. Bush. <laughs> Please do not question anything happening. That's what Die Hard's about, really. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, so, the last movie I have to talk about 
uh, which I watched yesterday, is Omoire Poro Poro. Only yesterday? Only yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I watched it only yesterday. Uh, have you heard about this film? Are you? Do you know this? No, film? no, um, I'm not familiar. What's only yesterday? Yeah. Um, so it's made by this the studio Studio Ghibli. Am I saying that right? I think I think um, it's a uh, Ghibli. Ghibli. Um, Ghibli. Yeah. Um, it's really <laughs> fucking good. Um, it might be the the top most favorite movie on your letterbox it um, I, you know i'm refreshing my letterbox and i do notice that i have listed it as my favorite movie <laughs> yes <laughs> um this is a really good fucking movie so <laughs> it's a really good movie also i watched it and i was like man i want to watch pastoral to die in the country again now um <laughs> 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 which is like a movie that is about similar things but it is like far more uh i i think that only yesterday thinks it is a good thing to have these memories and to like build up this pastoral sense of like ah uh, yes i'll return to the countryside and like this is a a better way of living right mm-hmm. <laughs> um towards the end one of the dramatic moments is her thinking like oh, I'm just, like, faking at this being a farmer thing. I'm not really a country girl. I should just go back to the city. Um, Mm. And then being like, no, I should just be a farmer's wife. Um, Pastoral to Die in a Country is a movie about... So it, like, starts out as, like, this kind of weird story about a, a boy in a village, and then you become aware that it's, like the director trying to reconstruct memories he has of, of his childhood and like trying to interrogate like pastoralism as a, a tendency within Japanese culture. Um, it's just like far more about the things that only yesterday just like completely unironically fully embraces is like, yes, to return to the country, mm-hmm. to die in the country. This is like what we should do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but uh so yeah i'm i might end up rewatching pastoral to die in the country soon because i i watched this movie and want to see it but also this movie is just fucking like beautiful it's just oh, the animation is fucking incredible um it's... as it was going on i was becoming more and more aware of just like in sometimes kind of subtle ways of just like exactly how much detail do they do in the background between like what is the present and what's memory um, mm-hmm. how much do they let things fall into, and also like, so when it's in, in memory space, um, it becomes interesting to see like, okay, so like the structure of the home, like the walls, the windows, these are like far more clearly placed. And then things of like the book on the, the books on the shelves, the, the picture hanging on the wall become more like sketchy and abstract of like the way that you remember things of like, you might remember exactly how the room looked in like a broad sense. Like here's the walls, here's where the window was, blah, blah, blah. You might not actually remember the details of the like picture that you then had hanging. You'll remember that there was a picture there, but you're not going to remember the details the same way yeah. you might remember the like details of the room. And they just like capture all of this in the the flashback stuff. Um, and so then there's just moments where like like there's the moment where um, she meets up with the boy that like they both kind of have a crush on each other, and he like 
ask her, do you prefer sunny days or cloudy days? And they both prefer cloudy days. Um, and it's like in these like streets during a sunset. And it's just like entire parts of the, the image are just falling away to like paper white. And it's like interesting, even what is chosen of like, yes, the sunset I remember very clearly. I don't even remember like what was beyond the like lines of these streets. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I remember Mm -hmm. it was like this intersection, but I don't even remember the buildings. Like some of that just falls away into white. Um, It's just like the, the attention to detail of also when to not even provide detail because we're, we're trying to portray memory was um, really striking to me. Um, And just like incredible how, how it uh, plays with that stuff. So um, we got that Totoro money. We can make the most expensive movie in the world. <laughs> yeah. Just an incredibly like lavish. Like this is one of those movies too, where, you know, th- this is the thing that comes up with uh, animation sometimes is like, Oh, well that could have been live action. And it's like, you could have shot a live action version of this, but it wouldn't have been the same because like, this is portraying, this is, is playing with the way that like memory and reality can bleed into each other sometimes, Mm -hmm. but then Mm -hmm. also the way that like memory is like also indistinct and fuzzy in a way that would just be, I think a lot harder to do in the same, like as effectively and um, like powerfully as this film manages to do Um, like in the specific ways that it's interested in doing it too, which is this like, the actual just details of the scene, like how, how clear are we going to make it? And then how are we going to like play that off of the details of reality and how we can also mess with that. So, um, yeah, I was very taken with this movie. I love it so much. Yeah. I just, I just vividly remember (laughs) like the, the experience of like watching this movie, this comes right after Kiki's. This is like really early in doing aeroplane. And I was like, I've never heard of this movie. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to be. And just being like, just slowly like drawn more and more into this movie. It was just one of the most like magical like experiences of like, I don't know what this is. We were watching all the Ghiblis. I guess I'm putting this on um, and just being like utterly taken with it. Um, It might. (laughs) You go. My so I listened through all of um and then an airplane, uh like in the course of like maybe a month, um and it's just funny one. Over the course of that, you becoming more and more just like absolutely taken with only like, you you love it when you first see it, but also like as you have to like slog through some of the other Ghibli stuff and you're just like, uh like. Like you and M are like starting to like regret your decision to even do this podcast. It feels like, <laughs> <laughs> um, like you get to like Howl's Moving Castle and you're like, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> um, but Man, so Howl's Moving so part Castle of it is dog shit. <laughs> is watching like in real time only yesterday like solidify from like a movie that you really liked into like this is one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. um like you can hear that like happen over the course of the podcast my other favorite thing is how you watch ocean waves and you're like yeah that, that was fine and then as it continues on you're like ocean waves though that had some good vibes <laughs> just like <laughs> the, the like the arc up of ocean waves from like 
made no impression to just like I don't know. I'd watch Ocean Waves again. It's got some good vibes. Like, man, okay. I don't like Ocean Waves. I don't like that movie. If you asked me, would you rather watch Ocean Waves six times or Howl's Moving Castle once? I would choose Ocean Waves. I gotta be real with you. Yeah. <laughs> I would so much rather watch Ocean Waves six times. Um, there was a part where you were doing a rating of, um, like a ranking of all of the Ghibli films for the mm-hmm. end of the podcast. And you sent me the list and I was like, I feel like Ocean Waves is actually too low on here based on how often you bring it up on the podcast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like my impression like cool having Pepsi listened to board. it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. My impression having listened to it is that like your two favorite Ghibli movies are only yesterday and Ocean Waves. That's not true. <laughs> and that's not Wish- true, but that's the that's the vibe by the end. Because you're just like Ocean Waves though. That was a good movie. <laughs> Man. Yosh- I periodically I think about Whisper of the Heart and get like upset. Like legit upset every time I think about um whisper of the heart and think about like oh man he didn't get to make more movies you know yeah um that was it i i get upset um man whisper of the heart um yeah i it it also you know um only yesterday one of the most like like animation wise like my absolute favorite movie. I think it just looks beautiful. I think everything it's doing with the animation is amazing. Um, you know, um, there's a, there's a lot to love in Only Yesterday that is sort of like I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is like sort of divorced from like if I if I take myself and put myself into someone else's shoes, if I like, pretend that I like you know I'm someone else. I can still appreciate the quality of the animation and the voice acting and all this sort of stuff. Um, it also helps that I am absolutely 100% that bitch who's like, well, you know, I gotta like, what if, what if 2022 is the year that I get into sourdough starters and just like, you know, really appreciating, like getting back to, you know, basics. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, I really like making my chicken stock because I use every single part of the bird. You know, we eat the meat and then we roast the, uh, or we stew. <laughs> like, I am just, I am just Tycho <laughs> in many ways. Yeah. In many ways that I am aware are maybe not great all the time. In ways that I think um, Takahata himself is aware that, like, being like this is not great, and he interrogates this in other work, but in Only Yesterday, just as, like, uncritically, like, nah, man, we gotta go back to being farmers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, the, like, one of the big final moments is her being like, no, like, I'm just playing at this, and then being like, nope, I do need to go back and be a farmer. <laughs> um, it's just so funny. But then also, like, <clears throat> the sequence of her going back, I was just, like, crying. So, you know, you got me. <laughs> so good. In the moment, I was just like, this is the greatest film ever. I'm like crying. And now yeah. like one day later, I'm just like, I need to fucking rewatch Pastoral to Die in the Country, a, a better film about these topics. <laughs> At least according to my memory. They don't but, make better movies. Yeah. Only they don't yesterday. animate better movies. 
God, oh the no, they do not. <laughs> um, it's just so um, incredible seeing this attention to of like animation too to just like these little scenes, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and it's you know it's 1991. Um, no one knows it yet, but like this style of animation is just about to totally disappear from the face of the earth yeah. in a few years. Um, but like you don't see like images of this animation showing up on like animation nerd Twitter. They're all sharing like trigger fight sequences and shit. Mm-hmm. And like those are like dynamic and fun and like there's some great animation happening in a lot of those like fight sequences, but this is just it's not like it's not being flashy in that way, but it is still just like arresting and beautiful and incredible. So Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to to do the stairwell rating with you because I I know that you love this film. Um, I think the main stairwell here. So there's two big ones that that stick out to me. Um, there's one that it's right after the sequence I talked to you where she talks to the the boy, um, and they have the conversation about like, do you prefer sunny or cloudy days? Um, and then she starts like running excitedly down the the street. Um, and then just like climbs up an invisible stairwell into the sky and starts flying and like it it's kind of expected unexpected how like suddenly it just completely breaks from reality in this moment um mm-hmm. and it starts with her climbing this like invisible stairway into the sky um to then like fly through the sunset um the other one is there's the part where she does really poorly on her math exam um and there's lots of stuff that happens around that with the stairs where like she goes up to talk to her sister, um, who's supposed to like tutor her now. And her sister like runs dramatically down the stairs and like, kind of like hits the wall cause she's running so fast and then goes and is like, what's wrong with her? You know, like, do we need to get her IQ checked and everything? And then they like mm. are, are kind of having this like conversation where, where she can hear it. And then is like coming down the stairs and there's the moment where they hear the final creak of the last step of her coming down as they're like saying these mean things about her. And then they kind of feel ashamed. Um, And then this like will repeat too of like people talking about her. Like there's a a part later on where there's kind of an uncomfortable sequence. So they're like, you should marry my, you know, my like grandson or whatever. Um, And then like, there's this big conversation about like that while she's just sitting there silent. Um, so I, I feel like it, I, I'm leaning towards like a plus S. I mean, I want to give it an S because I think yeah. that her climbing the invisible stairs into the sky and flying away is one of the greatest things that's ever happened in a movie. But, uh, <laughs> I, if you were like, I think it's just an A plus, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Sure, I feel fine. like if it was just that I would do an A plus, but because there's also this other sequence around the like stairs in the family home, like, cause yeah. The family home stairs were like I was seeing them, but they weren't really getting utilized. And then they finally got utilized in that scene. Um, I was like, uh-huh. okay, I, this is like fully elevated it because uh, now there's been two great stair scenes. So, man, God, only yesterday. Only yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, oh my god! It's it's my favorite movie. Like I generally, I know I like we watch a movie every week, and I'm like, oh my god, this is my favorite fucking movie ever. Yeah. I, only yesterday, <laughs> truly something else. You know, I, okay, while we were talking, I 
went and took a quick glance at my letterboxd top four movies um only yesterday firewalk with me godzilla final wars and rebels of the neon god and i was like expecting to open that that page up and be like i should you know tweak these and and then i looked at it again i was like no that's right (laughs) (laughs) no only yesterday firewalk with me final wars and rebels of the neon god are the four best movies i've ever seen (laughs) um Whenever I pull mine up, so my four, let me let me um get this profile up. Um I have Sonatine, best movie ever made. I love that movie. Um Ikaru, which I, I need to revisit, but um was just like my favorite movie for a long time. It's very special to me. We should watch it sometime. We should watch Rebels it. of the Neon God. <laughs> fucking love that movie. And then Angels of the Universe is the one that I always look at and I'm like there might be other movies that, that, you know, I like more than this. And then I'm like, I wrote an entire fucking thesis about this movie. Like mm-hmm. I wrote like 60 word, like 60 pages of words about this movie right here. Mm-hmm. No, it, it has to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there might be other movies I would much rather watch at any given time, but no, that has to be up yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, Man, I watched that movie wars. and decided to get a degree in film theory. <laughs> <laughs> Nora just finished reading 2001 A Space Odyssey and she wants to like, you know, watch the movie at some point with me. Yeah. Um, 2001 was absolutely that movie for me where I was like, man, I should direct movies when I grow up. That didn't pan out. <laughs> for the best, I think. Um, yeah. I don't think I would be good at directing movies, but um, you know. I I just looked at how far we are into this podcast. Um, anyway, <laughs> Jesus, we we would have <laughs> gone faster through these, I think, if it wasn't the whole bulk of this. But um, yeah, we go long. Okay. We go long. <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home. Dog shit. Oh my god, I hate that movie. Oh my god. Why do I have to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home? Just rate the stairwell and go. (laughs) I don't remember. I don't remember having a stairwell. If it had one, I want to give it an F. I'm giving it an F. (laughs) Okay. I'll talk about Spider-Man Far From Home briefly. Because, yeah. um... Why do you hate it? Explain this. I... Nora and I might do, like, export suit where we, like, go through yeah. some of this stuff, too. I don't know. Anyway. Spider-Man is a character very dear to my heart. Um. In some ways, I am in therapy because I like Spider-Man too much. By which I mean, um... I just took that great power, great responsibility line as, like, a motto for a way to live, um, which is a bad thing to do to yourself. (laughs) Um, uh, that's neither here nor there. Anyway, um, I love Spider-Man, and there was a time in my life where I loved MCU movies, um... Like, I had seen every MCU movie multiple times at a certain point in my life. Um, 
when Spider-Man Homecoming came out, I adored that movie. It was my favorite MCU movie at that time. Um, It's fallen a bit in my estimation, but so is every MCU movie. You know, every MCU movie has fallen considerably in my estimation. So, and it was like quick. It was like so quick from like 2016. I was super high on these movies. I loved these movies. By the time Far From Home comes out in 2019, just three years later, I was like, I don't fucking care. I never want to see another one of these movies in my fucking life. You know, (laughs) it happened so fast that I just didn't like these anymore. So I had not seen Far From Home. Uh, I have been pretty down generally on the MCU portrayal of uh, Spider-Man as a character because great power, great responsibility is not like a core tenant of that character. Um, Instead, it is. He's kind of like Iron Man, I guess. It, it the, like the core tenant of that character, I guess now is well, Robert Downey Jr.'s contract is expiring, so let's see if we can get Tom Holland to be Robert Downey Jr. That's yeah, kind of all. And I didn't like that, and I knew that Far From Home really went hard on that before I even watched it, and it's a huge part of this movie. And the other huge part of this movie is drones. They're kind of good, right? Yeah, I, I oh, mean, obviously, in the sky. obviously, if bad guys had drones, that would be bad. But luckily, mm, it's yeah. the good guys who have the drones, so they're good. That's just yeah. like what the plot of that movie is. The MCU movies are so just propagandistic that it just got me down. And it's like, you know, I can watch a uh, propagandistic Captain America movie. And be fine. I can watch a propagandistic uh, Black Panther movie and be fine. Um, I can enjoy certain elements of those movies. Um, I can't enjoy Spider-Man just th- like this happening to Spider-Man. This is just not... This is a character I love a lot. And I just cannot enjoy the way that like... They've just totally like just done terrible terrible things to this character especially when this is like a year after the best spider-man movie came out like they just made spider-verse like months before this movie came out and just like did everything absolutely everything i could ever want from a spider-man movie like spider-verse is like a perfect spider-man movie um i don't think it is the perfect Spider-Man movie, because I also think Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 3 are that. But, um... Uh... Uh, yeah, I... Far From Home got me fucking down. And, like, I think Tom Holland and Zendaya do perfectly admirable jobs. You know, the rest of the cast members do just fine with the material they're given... But, oh my god, that movie's dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt depressed. Yeah. Um, Can I talk about the one good thing in it? You sounded like you were about to say something, so I didn't want to interrupt you. No, I was just going to say, I'm glad that we finished this on a down note. So please, do the the little up note. (laughs) Okay, so... You know how all these movies are just animated movies now? How, like... Yeah. There's no sets. Everybody's just standing in green rooms that they animate and stuff. Yeah. Um, And you know how 
um, Mysterio. So I, you might be loosely familiar with Mysterio as a comics villain, but I'll explain him and his deal in this movie. Specifically in this movie, he is a VFX artist who is like wronged by Tony Stark and is trying to get back at like the world for how he was wronged by Tony Stark, basically. Yeah. Um, and so like these movies are all animated anyway. And there is a scene, basically Mysterio's gimmick is that he can like, um, make VFX stuff happen. Like he can make CG happen in the real world. And so like he CGs in a big monster attacking Venice so that he can save the day and make everyone like him basically. Yeah. Um, oh, it's Donnie there... Darko. <laughs> yeah, it's Donnie Darko. I just googled Mysterio. <laughs> That's Nightcrawler. <laughs> oh, if only it was Nightcrawler. <laughs> the X Men. Man, I love that guy. I love Man, that fucking guy. Fucking Nightcrawler. <laughs> Nightcrawler might be my favorite X Men guy. Um, um, yeah, for me, it's Nightcrawler, and then also Rogue. Um, of, I love wait, of course you like the bratty German. Yeah. <laughs> Can, continue with your discussion. Continue. Anyway, all this to say, there is a sequence where Mysterio and Spider-Man are having a fight and... Um, Mysterio and the filmmakers sort of embrace that these are just animated movies. And so, like, with a surprising amount of subtlety, they move everything from, like, CG animated to look like the real world to just CG animated. And it's, you know, like, Mysterio is trying to create like what would in other movies be a nightmare sequence for Peter basically and so it's like CG of like you know foggy backgrounds and like Mysterio is like choking MJ and then Spider-Man runs at him and it CG animates into like a different scene of him falling and he can't shoot his webs or whatever I don't remember what happens really but like the movie just very subtly and quietly pivots from animated movie that is like putting on the facade of not being an animated movie to an actually animated movie that is like embracing like their tradition of animated cinema (laughs) um and as soon as it does that it becomes a better movie i think all of these i would probably get back on board with the mcu stuff if they just pivoted to actually being like cg movies if tom holland was just a voice actor I would probably enjoy these movies more again, like I used to. Honestly, yeah. it is really they did a really good job with the animation and they I just was like it was a window into a better version of all this. Even though it yeah. kind of looked like a PS5 game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um that's it for the movies that we watched. We've re- been recording for so long. <laughs> Um, Two do we want to do our half hours? Yeah, some of that though people will get to hear um, after the Bella Lugosi's dead. 
Yes, yes. There is an intro sequence that is going to be separated out, so they're probably at the two-hour yeah. mark or something. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know how long we went. Do we want to do the top ten films that we saw for the first time in 2021? Yes. Um, I don't know if you want to really go through all ten, or if in the interest of time you want to do, like, let's be really quick with the first five. Not talk about them too much. Um, yeah. Um, I want to go first, and then let's alternate. Okay. So, like, your number um, ten, my number ten? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's how the math works out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number eleven, Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> we said top 10 i just wanted to put that in there so okay, okay. my you number go. 10 uh so my number nine and my number 10 like really could have been a toss-up so um i guess after i do my number nine i'll do my two uh other ones that easily could have slotted in here um but my number 10 i put uh i am not a witch just because um I was just like taken with this film as a lot funnier than I was expecting. Um, yeah, it so. sounded really interesting. Yeah. Um, um, I uh, similarly um, for my actual number 10 um, could swap this out, I think, with a different movie. At some point, I made the call to limit myself to one movie per director because otherwise I would have, like, two repeat directors on this list and I wanted to make more room for, like, diverse stuff, you know? Yeah. So my actual number 10 is Perfect Blue. Um, but I could I, I could write a different version of this list that has Tokyo Godfathers at number 10. You saw Perfect Blue for the first time this year? Yeah. Wow. Bean Dad was this year. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, my number it was, nine. It was on my birthday this year. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, my number nine is the hunger. Um, Man, the hunger. Yeah, that's a, a good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. <laughs> um, some of this is just like. I just really enjoyed watching that movie. Um, it's just extremely my vibe. It's got David Bowie in it. Um, and then also it's like the one that we launched the podcast with. So I, I feel mm -hmm. like it's like also has a little bit of sentimentality for me in that, in that sense. Um, I'll say the other two that I, I almost like was really debating and could have put up here are Laura and um, Dragon Inn. Um, Laura, in part because I like want to rewatch it, I think is is part of why I didn't put it up there. Also, like I liked it, but it was just a film noir. There are other great film noir, um, and this is the big thing with Dragon Inn is that it like I liked it, but it it's like you know I love Come Drink with Me. I I pre ordered that. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> it's just a Wuja film. Like it's good. Yeah. I like it a lot, but it's not like I watched it and I was like, whoa, this is like introducing me to something I don't know. I was just like, oh, yeah, King Who. Wuja. I, like, I know this. <laughs> it's just <laughs> another one, and it was good. I had fun. Yeah. I watched it twice. Um, uh, number nine, uh, Sonatine. That low, huh? <laughs> My favorite Man, film. I watched some good <laughs> movies this year. 
Yeah. I watched some good movies this year. Um I you know, I I I like Sonatina a lot. I don't like it the same way that you do, but um I like it a lot. A lot, a mm-hmm. lot, a lot. And um you know, I I maybe like if I were being, you know, quote unquote, quote unquote, and I, I don't think this is a real thing. If I were being objective about it, I think maybe I like Perfect Blue more than I like Sunatina even. Um, but um, I had to give it like I gave Sunatina some points just because like watching it and deciding we're going to make this podcast we're talking about was a really nice, you know, time. And also, I in 2022, I'm going to watch this movie a second time and I think it's probably going to rise in my estimation as I get to sit with it more. So, you know. Yeah. Because you kind of saw it before you saw, like, a lot of what it's responding to in the opposite. Well, and also, like, I think it's a movie that, like, the first time through, I was, like, taking in all the, like, oh, this is what's happening now. And now that I know what's happening, I'll be able to just be like, ah, this is the sort of, like, meaning and, like, metaphor and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So. Um... My number eight is Touching the Skin of Eeriness, which I was kind of surprised that it made it on this list. But I continue to think about this film um, and I want to like check out more from this director. So um, it's still like, again, it's like this weird incomplete thing. Um, and I think it's like stuck with me more because of that. So um, give me just a second. I'm just changing up. Um you're rearranging things live on the podcast no no i'm um like making it so that it displays like the rank of the movie so i don't like accidentally read something out of order because it wasn't saying that before uh number eight the texas chainsaw massacre um i did i neglected to put texas chainsaw massacre 2 on here um i really like texas chainsaw 2 but Mm -hmm. um that first movie is just something else. Like, ah, I think about that movie almost every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, somewhat, better stairwells, you know. Yeah. Somewhat similarly, my number seven is Black Christmas. Hell um, yeah. I just, again, it like gripped me watching it while I was at work <laughs> in a way that few movies that I watch while I'm at work have done. So. Um, it's just a really good slasher. Um, my number seven, which feels shockingly low. I like looked at this and relooked at this and it's right, but it feels shockingly low. Number seven, Wings of Desire, Der Himmel über Berlin. Um, genuinely one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and I couldn't like move it higher on this list, but one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, my number six is Smooth Talk. Who's uh, just very good as like a a horror movie that is like not doing all of the. I think of it as a horror movie, and yet I think a lot of people would not think of it as a horror movie, and that's interesting to me. Um, that like so much of the tension in this movie is like this horror, but like. It, it is not constructed in quite the same way as a lot of horror movies. And I, I find it fascinating because of that. Um, like if you look at the poster for smooth talk, it does not look like a horror movie. <laughs> um, number five. Um, 
Haosu. Uh, or no, oh, I skipped. I skipped something. See, oh yeah, is, you skipped number six. I skipped number six. Clueless. Um, this is a good fucking movie. That's a good fucking movie. <laughs> the, in, in many ways, the platonic ideal of what a movie could be. All movies should expire. Should aspire <laughs> to be Clueless, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. Man, Clueless. <laughs> um. Okay, my number five is Emma, which is a a movie that we will do ne- early next year. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Another just like strange movie that like some of this is just movies that have stuck with me. Um, and like Emma is one that I like continue to turn over in my head. So, um, yeah, that's part of why it's in here. Um, my number five, as I just said, was, uh, Haosu. Um, just really fucking taken with that movie. Uh, we did the episode on it. You don't need to hear more, but, um, uh, it's great, you know? Yeah. Um, my number four, your favorite movie of all time is being placed higher in my list than my favorite movie placed in your list. Only yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, if people want to hear my thoughts on only yesterday, just like hit the skip back button a few times <laughs> on your podcast player. <laughs> yeah. Number four, only yesterday. Great fucking movie. Yeah. One of the best movies. Yeah. Um, my, we're on number four now. Uh, yes. Hero. Um, the Jet Li movie. Uh, man, Hero. <laughs> Am I fucking right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fucking Hero. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it. Um, the thing is, we've, like, talked about so many of these movies on the podcast already. So, yeah. like... Yeah. Hero is... Oh, my God, Hero. Hero! <laughs> I, I should rewatch it soon. Because I... There is a. I'll make this decision in the near future. There's a chance that I like bring it to the podcast, but there's a maybe I bring it to the podcast, or maybe I pick a different one of his movies to like talk about. Not House of Flying Daggers. That one sounds bad, but um, a different one. I mean, it's fine, but I I would rather watch watch Hero. (laughs) I will watch House of Flying Daggers in this coming year because, like, I want to cross it off the list a little bit. But if we're going to cover something, I want to cover one that I'm excited about. So, yeah. Um, my number three is Funeral Parade of Roses. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It's a good fucking movie. Um, this, like, I really debated between this being number three and only yesterday being number three. Like, they really easily could have flipped. Um, but I ended up, I think having seen it a second time, like placed it higher in my my estimations here um if if i was being a little more honest funeral parade of roses is my actual number 11 i had it on this list for a very long time before it just got like bumped out by a couple other things but um funeral parade of roses is fucking phenomenal yeah uh your number Uh, three my number three is uh cleo from five to seven um i should really watch that movie you should watch that movie. It's uh it's truly remarkable, I think. Um I 
Oh, I can't. I can't say enough good things about it. I think it is. I. We should just watch. We we'll watch it. I. I we'll we're gonna watch Cleo from five to seven in the near future. So, yeah. I I won't discuss it. It'll. We're coming up on like. You know, we were um, trying to pick some movies for January, and there was like two things that I saw that I was like, oh, I don't want to pick that because like. Repertory screenings covered it in like semi recently, so I would need to double check when they did Cleo. Um, but we might do Cleo in the near future. Yeah. Um, my number two is Goodbye Dragon Inn. Um, which I'm assuming partially didn't place on your list just because my guess is you put Rosalind on God somewhere up here. But Goodbye Dragon Inn, fucking great movie. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, one of the best movies. I uh, spent a, 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 a couple minutes like trying to decide, like, do I want to do Rebels of the Neon God or Goodbye Dragon Inn? Um, it's tough. I love both of these movies a lot. Um, I maybe, like, think about um, Goodbye Dragon Inn a little more than I, like, think about Rebels of the Neon God some, in some ways, because, like, um goodbye dragon inn just has like certain images that will just like pop into my head and yeah that i think is like part of the effect of like lingering on every image for such a long time you know yeah so my number two um is um rebels of the neon god it's a good so, fucking movie it's a good fucking movie um, um what more is there to say? We, I I feel good about, like, I feel like, at least, like, to some degree, within circles that I'm in, Rebels of the Neon God is, like, a known movie now because of the podcast. And I'm, I'm glad of we, that. We champion this movie like nobody's fucking business. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are people who, who bought it, like, the Blu-ray, I'm pretty sure, just because we did a podcast episode about it so um yeah i love that movie um my number one so i also debated for a long time between number one and number two here for the the placing um but a brighter summer day um it's such a like like i ended up giving it number one here because a brighter summer day i think like if i'm trying to talk objectively just about like the quality of a movie made like the craft a brighter summer day i think is better than ripples in the eye god i personally like ripples within the eye god more but like our brighter summer day is doing so much and it's just like so well constructed um and yeah i still ripples of the neon god is like shaggy around the edges a lot of the time yeah in a way that like i have a great deal of affection for when it comes to cinema I like when, mm-hmm. like, things feel a little bit rough or a little bit, like, like you can almost, like, feel the craft being done, in a sense. Whereas, like, A Brighter Summer Day feels so much more just, like, polished, right? Like, it, like, everything is, like, exactly where it should be, which I also enjoy. Like, I, this is one of the appeals for, like, a lot of Kurosawa to me is that he just gets so good at it that, like, everything just feels purposeful and, like 
you know, nicely placed, um, even just in terms of like the construction of the film, right? Like the way that things are edited and everything. Um, but sometimes I like when things feel a little bit like rough and weird. So, mm-hmm. um, I think, I think Simon Long and, um, David Lynch have that same sort of evocative quality where like, it sometimes feels like everything is super constructed and it sometimes feels like something just happened on set that like Lynch or Sai is like, no, 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 keep it, keep it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, make sure you're getting this, make sure you're getting this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, my number one, which was my number two until I opened my mouth to say what number two was. I like, if you heard me pause before I said what number two was, it's because I was moving these around in my head. Um, my number one is in the mood for love. Um, I in the mood for love. Like talk about a movie where everything is meticulously constructed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talk about the polar opposite of Rebels of the Neon God in some ways, but um, yeah. Oh my God! I mean, that's that also movie. how I feel about Brighter Summer Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I also that, that maybe a small part of the reason that I put uh, in the mood for love number one. This is like a, the tiniest part of the reason in the world is that this is the movie that just made me be like. Man, Tony Long, he's a really good actor. I'm going to watch him in every fucking movie now. Yeah. It's also a movie that made you be like, well, I guess I'm just going to watch a bunch of Wong Kar Wai now. Yeah. <laughs> Which I haven't actually pulled the trigger on yet, but um, I feel like <clears throat> there's a chance that like we're doing this again next year, and I'm like, yeah, I've watched every Wong Kar Wai movie. <laughs> yeah. There's not that many. I could do it. Um yeah i yeah in the mood for love and rebels of the neon god ask me any day of the week and i'll move them around um but i really was just floored by in the mood for love um i just also also the two best motifs of any of the movies that we watch for the podcast um the do 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 and yeah. then the menacing waltz of in the movie <laughs> the you're about to make a mistake waltz um oops um this remind me of something that i forgot to mention when i was talking about the pawnbroker um which is i'm looking up the name of the song again uh, there is a sex scene uh, that happens in the pawnbroker that is set to the song Soul Bossa Nova. Do you know this song? Uh, it's ringing a bell in my head. Um, you would know the song if you heard the song, because I think everyone now would know it as the Austin Powers theme. <laughs> I've never seen Austin Powers. You would still know the Austin Powers theme. <laughs> you would just know it. You would hear it and be like, that's the song from Austin Powers. Um, anyway, it happens during a sex scene and I lost my fucking mind. Because at the time, I'm sure it felt like, you know, they're like upstairs in a club. Mm-hmm. It like makes sense that this is playing. But God, I just lost my fucking mind. 
Because <laughs> oh, now this is an actual it's... like Quincy Jones song. This isn't like yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Huh. Um. But yeah, it's just known now as Austin Powers. People just like. I don't think it's possible to like decouple it from Austin Powers in in modern understanding of okay, the Okay, I'm gonna just I'm gonna I was gonna not click it, but I'm gonna click it. I'm gonna just listen to what it, whatever the fuck this is. Oh that's the Austin Powers song. Yeah. You know it. Even if you haven't seen Austin Powers, you know this song. Um anyway. Um we're getting long, but do we want to do the little thing that we haven't really done, which is just talk about how this podcast has kind of changed our relationship to movies? Sure. I'm worried that we're going to get into the four-hour mark, but let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to have to pee at some point, and then we'll just call it. <laughs> do you want to pee now so that we can like actually have this conversation? or? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go pee. Okay. I'll do this. Okay. Um, podcast, 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 podcast. Yeah. Um, I just like that this podcast has made me like movies again. That's the main thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever like fully explained the origin of this podcast. Um, which is like, so I used to like I have a bachelor of science in uh like digital cinema as like production with a minor in film studies. And then I have a master of the arts in cinema and media studies. Um, and like, I think people have not heard this cause it's going to be in the, the post theme song section. But like I used to watch a movie literally every single day. Um, and part of it is I, I went to grad school and like, I just did so much work on movies that like my, uh, I don't know, like grad school, like throttled a lot of stuff out of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll just say that. Um, but I mean, I was still kind of watching movies. Um, but the other thing is just that like, there was a point where, um, a lot of the movies that I like are just movies that Emily's not that big into. Um, and that's, fine but it just meant that like increasingly i just wasn't watching those movies um and because the other thing is that like sometimes watching a movie if your like partner doesn't want to watch it is you're just like well okay i'm going to like sit here and watch a movie and you don't bother me (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and so what happened is I think you were just like tweeting once about like feeling like you just don't like movies anymore and you don't watch movies and that like, you know, basically this similar experience of like, and it's kind of like sometimes there's the movie that I want to watch, but like Nora doesn't want to watch it. And so then like, I just don't watch it cause it's going to, I'm going to feel weird just sitting down and being like, don't talk to me while I watch this movie. Um, yeah. And then I think I messaged you being like, man, I feel the same way. Um, and then we were both like, it would be nice to just have a friend to watch movies with. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked about that like for too long before we were like, well, wait, why don't we just watch movies together sometimes? <laughs> um, we like similar movies. We're talking about wanting to watch like the same movies. Let's just watch them. So mm-hmm. 
And we just started doing that. And then we were like, well, we should just record us talking about the movie afterwards. Um, So, which I was like hesitant about because I was like, man, I'm doing a lot of podcasts. I don't want to add another thing. I guess part of my fear about like adding this show to my repertoire is like, I didn't want it to to add it and for it to be like the fourth string show that I didn't care about, you know? Yeah. Um, which I guess I solved by making it the most important. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, the, the funniest thing to me is that like, it started as like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll like, you know, watch a movie a week together. And then, you know, it's different if we're like watching a movie with someone, it feels less like, Oh, don't bother me. I'm in my corner watching my movie. Um, And now I literally sit in my corner chair that's like next to my DVD shelf that faces (laughs) away from the TV and watch on the laptop a movie because I want to watch a movie while Emily watches like some Netflix show. Mm -hmm. Um, So because now I'm just like fully in like I want to watch more movies. (laughs) So um yeah, it's it's weird how the whole thing that I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I just now do. (laughs) <laughs> because I got back in the movies again. Um, I mean, I I went through a very similar thing, just like, I guess, age shifted, where I, in middle and high school, was very into movies. Like I say, briefly had, like, you know, watched um, 2001 A Space Odyssey in eighth grade and was like, I want to make movies when I grow up, you know? Yeah. Um, and... Um, watched uh you know pulp fiction was like oh my god i didn't know movies could be like that you know yeah spent spent a lot of high school like very into like the cinema um i guess and that gradually transitioned into like a a time where i wanted to like write about movies because i was reading other people write about movies and i was like this seems great um I can't imagine any possible problems with the sort of economy of writing about movies. And then I watched the economy of writing about movies fall apart over the course of like a year. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, that, you know, that whole business just seems fucked. Um, yeah. Like I watched the dissolve close and was just like, wow, like this is all fucked. <laughs> And I'm sure it was fucked before that. I just was now old enough to perceive it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I hit undergrad and um, started disliking, you know, sort of like a lot of 2010s film trends for like reasons that I've talked about at length on the podcast. This is also around the time where I'm like, watching the Oscars and caring about the Oscars. And let me tell you, caring about the Oscars killed my love of cinema <laughs> yeah caring about the oscars which meant i watched dog shit movies like the artist or the king's speech and also caring about like mcu movies which just were like treading out the same shit every year just killed my interest in cinema for like all through undergrad i just didn't care yeah got out of undergrad it's like a year or two later and i just like yeah at the start of end of 2020 start of 2021 i was remember like talking to people about like i think i just don't like movies like i think that was a thing i liked as a kid and i think i just don't like them now i think i hate the idea of sitting down for two hours and like watching like images that seems that seems bad that seems shitty i don't want to do that um i'd rather like read a book because i can like i don't know i 
that's just how I felt. Uh, and I also like, I, you know, was hesitant about starting this podcast cause I was like, okay, well I'm enjoying watching Sonatina together, but like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to like, I don't know if I can become a film person again. I don't know if I have that within me still. Um, and that is just evidently not true by my top 10 being equal parts movies we watched for this show and movies that I watched by myself, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm just very glad that we did this. I feel like it has changed my taste a lot. Um, I feel like, um, you know, I also, I guess I hit a point, um, I remember watching Persona, um, the Bergman film, at some point during undergrad for a film class, and um, I remember being, like, pretty down on Persona at the time, and feeling like, man, I cannot fucking tolerate, like, black and white movies in European languages I don't speak anymore. <laughs> I don't have the, like, sort of patience for it you know yeah um and one in the years since then i think about persona constantly and it's one of my favorite movies um i just think it's remarkable um it's sometimes you just need a time to like gestate on a movie like that yeah um and also i think this podcast has just helped me sort of rediscover that patience, sort of rediscover, like, the joy of, like, watching a movie that's kind of boring, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, which I had at one time and then totally lost. But, it, yeah. you know, I feel it these days, so. Um, yeah, I think some of it is that, like, I don't know, like, watching with you made it be like, oh, like, what we're doing, what we are doing right now is watching a movie. And so like, I'm not checking my phone constantly and everything, which is just like a, a bad habit that I, I fell into. And then doing that enough, like got me where I can then just sit and watch something. And like, maybe I check my phone a little bit more than if we're watching together, but I'm still like paying attention to the movie more now. Um, it's also just gotten me into a headspace where sometimes I'm like, well, I'm doing something, but I just want to put a movie on while I do this mm. thing. Um, which is just a thing that I, I wasn't doing previously. Um, so yeah, I, I think some of it is like, like, I, I think there, I think that I find weird about a lot of like, especially film Twitter stuff is there's like, I, I feel like there's this like approach to, Oh, like I'm, I'm trying to think of like the best way to explain it, but like, what, essentially what I'm trying to say is that, like, I do think watching a film is a skill, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also a skill that's very easy to develop because what you do is you just watch movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, the first time you sit down and watch a movie, you are not, like, watching a movie in the same way that you will after you watch a bunch of movies because, like, there are, there's still a skill in, like, reading what's happening in the film and, like developing senses of things and you know having opinions and everything like that is what the skills around but the actual act of just sitting down and watching a movie is incredibly easy to do um, yes <laughs> but there's still just a certain amount of like i had that skill but then i just like 
got easily distracted. And then it was just nice to like, nope, here's a way to like build that skill back up. Um, I, I do think that probably my taste in movies has changed a little bit less than yours. Some of this is that like, there's a decent amount of picks on here that are just like, Oh, let me introduce you to stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think it's changed a little bit or like some stuff is, has solidified more. Um, I like have clearer sense. I kind of knew why I liked Yakuza films. Um, like I had a fair amount. I still feel like my sense of like, this is why I like Yakuza films has solidified through having to talk about it to someone else on a podcast and not just having a bunch of thoughts, having watched a bunch, um, you know, as just like an example of a thing that has recurred a bunch. Um, and I, I'm specifically thinking of this too, because like one of my favorite episodes we've done was the Tokyo drifter episode. Um, just because it's, I think the first time I was like really able to, to put in a, way that like other people can go and listen to and engage with of like, here's a certain philosophy I have about how people can approach cinema and talk about cinema as like an aesthetic object. Um, that is not just, whoa, that was cool. But like, let's actually just think about like aesthetically what is happening in this film. Like how, how is this a thing that you are engaging with and receiving, um, as just like an experiential media, um, and, and then how to like start doing the, the difference between like, this is different than just being like, well, yeah, I like the Marvel movies cause they're entertaining, right? Like there's like. I'm still Mm -hmm. trying to talk and think about like what is experientially and aesthetically happening in this work. And like, how is that in and of itself, like exciting and meaningful and like something worth like talking about and focusing on beyond like trying to read the plot or like trying to like apply political frameworks or whatever. Like how do you just engage with a film as like images and cutting and sound and things Um, and, and do that critically in a way that, goes beyond just like I liked it or like that was cool. Um yeah. and yeah, I I felt good about like being able to make that argument and set it down for Tokyo Drifter. Um and be like, okay, I can't actually like make this argument <laughs> about how to engage with films sometimes. Um even as we still will talk about like the politics of films and things as well. Yeah, and I I I like that also because like I think it has given, like, this show its identity in, like, a sea of... Not just a sea, in, like, you know, friends of ours, people I do other podcasts with, don't talk about movies the way that you and I talk about movies, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think that's, like, been important and good that, like, we have our way of doing stuff. Um and um it's just been good it just helps clarify for me like why i like watching things i've said so many times on the show like you know people watch stuff to be entertained and like i think there is like this idea on film twitter and and film youtube of like the sanctity of the film watching experience i think this is like part of what drives so many people to go back to theaters when I think it is like unsafe to do so. (laughs) Um, like 
um people um like believe in these sort of like distraction free like i will absorb the film and i will ponder the film and i will like discuss and turn over the film and its meanings in my mind um it's just not what we do you know some nights like we start 2046 and then you go to sleep and i go home and watch the muppets take manhattan yeah. uh <laughs> sometimes um we start the matrix resurrections and then at the 40 minute mark nora has to make a phone call so i step outside and go smoke weed and come back you know um <laughs> like i just don't believe yeah. in like the 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 sanctity of the film watching experience um and I think it has made this podcast so much more bearable of like, you know, I turn it on when we're doing this show. I tune in and I'm like, I'm going to watch this fucking movie. I'm going to like pay attention to, you know, when we started 2046, I was like, oh, what does the costuming say about, you know, this, that and the other. Um, but um, yeah, like that's um, what was I going to say? Like. I, I, I have that within me, but I tell you what, you do not watch six movies in two days by, you know, shutting the fuck up and being quiet and watching a movie. I was texting all throughout Matrix Reloaded, you know, <laughs> yeah. I spent the whole fucking time of Spider-Man Far From Home just getting high and tweeting, you know, and <laughs> I I think that is a perfectly valid way of, of experiencing Spider-Man Far From Home. David Lynch be damned. Um, the other, there's a moment where I, I laughed because I thought of another way that this podcast has changed the way that like changed my relationship to films is that, you know, obviously this doesn't always hold. Sometimes I like forget or like, we know, we talk about like, oh, there may have been a scene here and I just don't remember it. Um, but like. I do look for stairwells now when I watch movies and Mm. in some ways, like I like that this is a thing that I do. That's just like for a stupid bit for the podcast. Like the fact that we rate the (laughs) stairwells is stupid, but I also like that. I, I am like actively trying to, to look for stairs because it encourages me when I am watching films to like, not just completely lose myself to it and to like, sometimes just think about like how, what images am I seeing? How is this being constructed? Like, how's the editing? Like that, that is a thing that, you know, when I was writing for like grad school and things I had to do constantly. Um, but often in this like mode where I was like, really like I was hyper aware in a, in a way that I think to some degree ruined some of my experience of film of like every single cut and where the blocking was for every shot and everything, because I, I had to like watch for those things because that's how like, you know, doing this formalist essay writing, like this is how I had to talk about films. They talk about like the pacing of cuts and everything. Um, And it's nice to have it be like, Oh, stairwell where it's like kind of this goofy thing. I'm not like mm-hmm. fully paying attention to like exactly how every single thing is done. And yet it's still like helping me get in this in-between space of like, 
I'm kind of just vibing and watching the movie and like letting myself be taken in by it. But I'm also kind of on the lookout for like, how are they making this film? How are they constructing it? What images am I seeing? Oh, there's a stairwell, right? Or I do this less when I'm watching it on my own, but when we're watching together, sometimes it's like, I'm looking for what's going to be the funny shot to be like, you know, they had to die in entire towns, whatever supply to get this shot. <laughs> um, like there's I was just about like, to say this too. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just things that like, I'm, I'm looking for in a way that just like helps me stay in this nice zone that I like of like being aware of the formal elements of the film. Also being able to just like, let myself enjoy the story or whatever I'm enjoying about it. Um, and it it's like kind of stupid how much looking for a stairwell does that for me, but it mm. does. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I... I, um, I There were a lot of movies on this episode where I, like, couldn't rate the stairwell, but I'm always, like, Nora and I are sitting there watching The Matrix Resurrection, and if there's stairs, I'm, like, leaning over to her and be like, stairwell, 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 stairwell. <laughs> yeah, I do this with Emily as well. <laughs> um, often when I'm watching a movie on my own, on my, like, locked Twitter account, I will mm. uh, just screenshot stairs when I see them and post them. And that's the way that I will announce that I am watching a film, is I will just post the first stairs I see. <laughs> <laughs> and like the problem is that then i have to show up to this podcast three days later and be like well yeah i said stairwell 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 but i don't remember saying that i was doing shit <laughs> yeah yeah um uh but yeah um I, I just think the podcast is good that's all yeah i like the podcast we do we have emails do we want to do emails? oh my I god i forgot like, that we have emails I don't want to do emails. It's fucking. It's after it's midnight. It's one a.m. It's one a.m. We didn't even watch a fucking movie for this one. <laughs> Joao, Aiden, M. All of you are heroes. <laughs> uh, okay, M's. We can hit real quick. Okay. Worst movie you watched in twenty one. Worst movie you actually finished in twenty twenty one. Um. Eye in the sky. Um, I guess I kind be... of checked out for parts of it. So to to fully like, if that doesn't count, I mean, I did make mm. it to the end, but it was more because Emily's dad was watching it. I would have stopped watching it if I was watching it on my own. So in that case, uh, Ava three point oh plus one point oh. Um. Mine's probably Far From Home. I feel like I'm forgetting something in there, but Far From Home's pretty fucking abysmal. Yeah. There's something else that really jumped out at me that I, I noticed when I was doing um, the ranking. Something that jumped out at me is like uniquely terrible, but Far From Home is what is on the mind right now. Mm-hmm. Um, M also asks, uh, one movie you've been meaning to see for years and you feel like 2022 is the year. Um, I feel like I have a lot of these, but I feel like this is the function of the podcast in some ways. Yeah. Um, man, you know what I forgot to put on this list? 
Um, oh, it's because I hadn't seen it before. Uh, or it's because I had seen it before. Robin B. Hood. Robin B. Hood might rank on the 10 best movies. Yeah. <laughs> I love Robin B. Hood. <laughs> anyway. Um, Stupid movie. I love it so much. <laughs> I watched Cars 2 this year. Um, I don't have a good answer for, for M's second question. Um, and we could maybe circle back around to it when we're not uh, at the 315 mark in a podcast. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, Aiden asks, what year sounds the coolest in a movie title, either just as the year or part of a larger title? Uh, if you don't have a real quick answer for this, we're moving on. <laughs> Wait, well, do it again. I'm... I saw M say it takes two to tango because we're talking about I have a problem <laughs> with long podcasts. Question. What year sounds the coolest in a movie title, either just as the year or as part of a larger title? Um, uh, so your 1984s, your yeah. 2046s in some senses of the word. 2046 is a good one because it's like a, you know, double meaning sort of thing, I guess. Yeah. I I like 2001 A Space Odyssey a lot as just a title about, and a year in there. What about 2010? What I like about 2001 A Space Odyssey is that like it is just fully 20 years in the past now. Um still when you say that it just feels like the future to me. <laughs> And that's the magic <laughs> of that title is that they can take mm-hmm. the year 2001 and still make it feel like the future to me by saying a space odyssey. <laughs> and I just believe, yeah, that's the future. 2001. <laughs> yeah. Um, I might have him for Joe's because Joe, he did send me the question to prepare me. You suddenly wake up in the year is 2014 you don't know if the you that are that you are now is just a dream or not. What you do know is that you're a member of a board responsible for this alternate reality version of the big Netflix show push. Your job is to pitch anime to live action show adaptations made by the following directors: Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and Orson Welles. Not dead in this timeline. What anime do you choose? Knowing what you know about the future of culture and discourse in 2021, this is an insane premise. Thank you, Joao. Um, um, God. Uh, Steven Spielberg. So I I got this question and have thought about it. Um, Steven Spielberg. I want to give like something that's kind of actiony and kind of like leaning into like AI territory because I like AI. Um, <coughs> it's one of my favorite Spielberg films. Um, and so I was kind of thinking Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, which I think would be be very fun. Uh, but I also landed on, I haven't actually seen this anime, but I just feel like expanding. it would also be great, would be, uh, Ergo Proxy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Again, I have not even seen Ergo Proxy. I just, I just think. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. Um, my Do brain's you have for Spielberg. <laughs> not for Spielberg off the top of my head. I, I had an idea for Spielberg and then I hit Scorsese in my head and I, my brain is expanding. Yeah. Um. So one of the other reasons why I was like, maybe I give Ergo Proxy to Steven Spielberg is I kind of want to see a Scorsese ghost in the shell. 
I want to see him do a film about a uh, horrible cop lady or a, a mm. like live action TV adaptation about a horrible cop lady who I love very dearly. <laughs> um, and then Orson Martin Wells. Scorsese Death Note. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Orson Welles. This was. Joe sent me this question, and I just immediately knew what I want Orson Welles to do, which is Kino's mm. Journey. I need Orson Welles to do Kino's Journey. He would do it <laughs> such justice. It would be incredible. People would watch it and be like, this is better than the light novels. This is better than the, the original anime. Um, Orson Welles, you've dead it again. <laughs> um, um, I feel like he would just get the the like pathos of the show really well. I feel like Spiel- I feel like Spielberg could do a really good Witch Hat Atelier show, actually. Yeah. It'd be pretty different, which is maybe what I want, you know? Yeah. It'd be pretty good, I think. Uh Scorsese Death Note. Um <laughs> and <laughs> Orson Wells. Orson Wells. Um I want to give him a limited series so that he can go like wild with like, um, you know, putting as much into a small number of episodes as like as he can. Um, Orson Welles, Evangelion, See, Orson Welles. This is why I did Kino's Journey because it's only thirteen episodes or like twelve episodes or whatever. So that's just, it's just going to be a masterpiece from him. I just don't think, the thing about Orson Welles, I don't think that, Orson Welles is interested in adults, and anime is interested in teens, and that is the hard, that is like the bridge I am trying to, like, get here. Maybe, like, Orson Welles doing some Tezuka, Orson Welles doing, like, uh, the Buddha, or Blackjack might be interesting. Yeah. Um... Um, I'm just trying to think of like I haven't seen Bacano yet. Um, it's gonna be the first anime that we do for Ghost Divers that Connor has seen and I haven't. Um, that might be an Orson Welles one, just from what I know. Orson Welles Fruits Basket has popped into my head. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I don't I know would... if there's anything there. <laughs> I would enjoy that. Um, Orson Welles Cromartie High School. <laughs> Martin Scorsese Death Note. I'm not going to top that. Yeah. That's just a good idea. That's just a good idea that I had. <laughs> Martin Scorsese Death Note. Um, anyway. Thank you to Em and Aiden for your questions we could not get to because we are at three and a half hours. <laughs> um, do, do you want to tell people where they can find you? Nora, why did you just text me all caps Ready Player One? You were trying to remember the bad movie that you watched. Oh, Spider-Man Far From Home is way worse than Ready Get Player the fuck One. Out of here. <laughs> Ready Player <laughs> One's fine. Don't talk to me. Ready Player One is fine. That movie's watchable. <laughs> the the face that she is making at me. Anyway. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find all the other podcasts at exportaud.io. That's the Patreon. Give us a dollar a month. 
you can get access to this show early and many others. Give us $5 a month and you can get access to Pop Town Funk and hear all of Nora's thoughts about Hideaki Anno, uh cameo appearance as guard number two in Death Kappa coming January 7th. Um, you can follow me at Foxmomnia on Twitter. Um, you can also follow me at Garfred Loud. I promise you it's coming back. Um, it will be back. Garfred Loud, the return, the return will arrive. Um, go listen to Ghost Divers. It's an anime podcast on the Export Audio Network. You can go to exportaudio slash Ghost Divers. Um, and are you uploading this tomorrow? Or like the thirty first or something. This episode, right I'm now? gonna upload it when I upload it. Okay, <laughs> is it gonna be before whatever? On January first, we're doing our first annual uh, New Year special, um, which we're just gonna do every year for Ghost Divers, um, and we are going to be well. We've already recorded it, but we discussed independent people. We also did like a little bit of a retrospective that went way too long about the, the first year of the podcast. Um, and yeah, I think it was a fun episode. People should check it out. People should also read independent people. Um, also you will probably be on for adolescence of Utena soon. Yeah. 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 That's going to happen. You got like two weeks to finish the series and watch the movie with me. I'll be able to do that. That's fine. Yeah. Um. Okokoro real? Okokoro is real. Okokoro is real.
hit record hello listeners um if you're hearing this you have stayed through um us talking doing the normal episode uh what the fuck am i talking about you have listened you listen to, to all Bella of Bella Lugosi's Lugosi's dead. dead yeah yeah um, you're not a homophobe you've you're listened to homophobe. the entirety of it uh we're all very proud of you um and what you're listening to is me just hastily making the top 10 movies I saw for the first time in 2021 list that you heard earlier in the episode. So I've got my letterboxed open. I'm just deleting stuff that I'd already seen from this list here. And I'm just going to hastily sort it. And that's probably how you're going to end up with something like Birds of Prey at like number two. Because I really liked that movie, and I saw it last week, and I'm not thinking about this before I put it on air. Yeah, that's also probably how Black Christmas ended up pretty high on my list, because um, I just saw it recently. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, I'm sure there's other... Like, I'm sure in the long expanse of time, Laura would be on this list, and Black Christmas wouldn't. But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, I'm going to do this in this segment because I think this is a good segment to do it. I'm going to send you this picture. Um, so I got a new mic. I'm recording on a new mic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of my Yule gifts. Um, but I'm, I'm just sending you the, the new setup. So people may have heard this in the main episode. We're recording remotely. Yeah. Um, Before I look see, I at this, I do just want to let listeners know that I am for this because I'm like typing and stuff. I have the laptop on my lap. And I'm a little farther back from the mic than I will try to be during the main episode. So, like, if I sound weird, that's why. Anyway, I am opening yeah. Discord. Ooh, so pristine. Look at you with your pop filter and your Utena poster and your cocktail. <laughs> so, do you notice anything else that's different than how this setup normally is? Um, 
I'm wondering, like, how familiar you've become with... You have, like, you usually have, like, 800 blankets on your um, ironing board here, and on this picture, you don't. That's the main thing I'm noticing. Yeah, I have one blanket. Yeah. It's actually not even a blanket. It's a very large scarf that I folded up and would set the the snowball on. Mm-hmm. Um, just to try and, like, dampen some of the sound a little bit more. I feel a little bit better with, like, like this... Since this is not, like, a, a tripod sit, like, I feel like it would be too wobbly if I tried yeah. to put it on the scarf. And I also just feel a little bit better about, like, this frame for for dampening some of the sound. Um, I think be- because of there being no blanket, you've missed the other major change that's happened. Uh, is, or have you seen it? Is there, like, a new thing on the ironing board? Let me... Yeah. I'm inspecting... Is that a new pattern for the ironing board? Yeah, so we got a new ironing board cover. Oh. Because our other one was getting kind of old. I thought maybe so. I thought maybe that was different, but I didn't feel confident in myself. Yeah. Um, so I, that's also adding to the pristine because, like, this is brand new. So it's just, like, you know, that, like, turquoise and white. Mm. It's not, like, stained at all from, <laughs> you know, cocktails or... Um, just being used, like, you know, it gets dirty as you're, like, continuing to iron on the same surface, so. Yeah. Um, that was one of the things that Emily got was a, a new ironing board cover, because she does a lot of quilting, so. I'm trying. Yeah, I was, I was going to, we were going to record in person like normal, and then just be like, look, new stuff. Um... But instead, I figured I would do it on the mic because this doesn't feel big enough to say for another episode, but it does feel f- funny enough to do as a post <laughs> uh, ending theme bit. So the radiator has been the bane of my existence today. It has been utterly silent, except for when I'm recording podcasts and it's kind of <laughs> driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> welcome to Chicago. Yeah. Um. I gotta, Me having central air is rare. <laughs> I gotta like um rethink the um not rethink, but like I could I could need to make some adjustments to the um recording setup, I feel like. Um Yeah. I'm taking this YouTube video off that I only put on my letterbox as a joke. Um, how, how many movies are you down to right now well i'm just organizing everything and then i'll just be able to see like oh that's where 10 is so yeah i mean depending so when i did it i think i had 20 movies that i saw for the first time this year mm-hmm. um and i was able to like cut out i think about like five or six of them right away. Um, I just like sorted it by the star rating I gave it. And I was like, yeah, we don't need the Ava movies on here. Um, (laughs) 3.0 and 3.0 plus 1.0. You can fuck right off. Um, Let me die a woman getting the special distinction of being the only movie I've seen worse than Spider-Man far from home. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, there were a couple. I I've seen more than twenty movies. There were a couple yeah. that I just did not even bother putting on because I knew it would not make the list. Yeah, which I could have done with Ava, but I I still just put it on, being like, I don't actually remember how many movies I've seen for the first time this year. So maybe it will like get in by default, but no, it didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let me die a woman. I didn't put on. Um, and uh, eye in the sky. I didn't put on. Because, God, that was a terrible movie. And then there were, like, two movies, maybe, that I, like, watched, but while I was building Gunpla, and I was just like, I know that it's not going to rank that high, um, and I feel kind of weird putting it on when I, like, didn't really give it the time, Yeah, you know? Man, um, making top ten lists, the the actual best part about it is when you make utterly insane decisions, but also decisions that are right and true, like putting um, Hero above Goodbye Dragon Inn. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, take that off here. I was going to say stuff, but I... So people who are listening to this podcast have already heard our list, and it wouldn't be a surprise, but I want you to hear my list live yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Um, um, I had... I had two like honorable mentions that I'm going to bring up because the last two places on here really could have gone any direction. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how much of this list is stuff we saw for stairwells and stuff we didn't. Cause I feel like stairwells has enormously shaped my taste this year, but like sometimes that's not always reflected in like, the show i guess you know like like yeah hero might be number one but we didn't watch hero for the podcast you know yeah i got so of my list i think only three of these we have at at this moment watched for the podcast mm-hmm. um this is maybe not a spoiler for you, for you, Autumn. You maybe could have guessed this. There is one other movie on here that is a movie that I I did watch for another podcast, which is a brighter summer day. Right. Um, God, I'm still debating on my placement of <laughs> the top two. So I'm making I'm making this list, and I'm realizing, oh, because how I'm doing it, like I can just ask myself, is this better? Than the tenth movie on the list, no. Then I don't have to like worry about it, and I realize that what I am just asking myself right now is: Is Bram Stoker's Dracula better than a Goofy movie? No, but just by a hair. It's pretty close, but um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the like. There's stuff on here that I expect to be on your list and just isn't on mine because I had seen it before and I showed it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that's one of the other reasons why I don't have quite as many as you might have that are stuff that I watched for the podcast because um, I feel like there's been a little bit more of like, oh, I've seen this movie. Let's let's watch it. Um, you know? Yeah. Um, there's been a fair amount of me introducing you to stuff yeah in this podcast yeah which i've i've enjoyed um um 
I feel like I don't have um the same like oh uh, what am I trying to say um I feel like sometimes I don't have the same urge to like I I guess like my movies that like I want to show other people are usually movies that you have seen because you have also been like a film person quote unquote for like a long time whereas like the movies yeah. that I want to show show people are usually well known in like film people circles I guess you know yeah um I yeah I think one of the other things is just like um I've just seen a lot of movies mm-hmm. to such an extent where like, I'm like looking for ones that I, I like said that I had seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Oh, did I miss Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid? I freak. I don't even remember if I saw that one before we watched it. I don't think I did. I think maybe that's the you thing. said there... you had seen it, but it had been a very long time and you didn't remember. Yeah. It. Yeah. So that's the thing. A lot of stuff is like that. Like, um, like we watched in the mood for love and I remember the, the basic plot of it, but there's still so much of that movie that I was like, Oh yeah. Like I don't really remember this movie while we are watching it. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm getting, I'm getting down to the wire here. There's like stuff but, that I can just immediately cut. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Cause I feel like when I was in, um, undergrad especially grad school i actually didn't watch quite as much because i was so fucking busy all the time um even though it was like busy with watching stuff i mean i guess i watched a lot for classes but it's still i feel like i was doing less of watching on my own because i was watching so much for for the courses i was taking so maybe Mm. it ended up being similar but like when i was in undergrad like once a day i watched a movie yeah um which part of it was like that was part of my my coursework like even if it wasn't for a class like i was studying digital cinema right. i was studying like video production and so it still felt like part of the work i was doing but um it was like literally every single day i would put in i i was just like getting the three or four movies from netflix or whatever like i one where you get I would get multiple DVDs and literally I would like get one, watch it, send it back. And like, you know, there would be the time that something's in the mail and (laughs) 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 like, (laughs) you know, sometimes I would get something from the library or something to watch instead if I needed to. But like, God, there's just so much like cinema that you could watch through Netflix getting DVDs. I kind of miss it. I miss like, it. I I actually extremely miss it. Like I feel like the closest now is the Criterion collection, but it's still it hits different. It's different. Like cuz back in Netflix You're not days, getting Suicide Circle on there. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you're not getting Ichi the Killer, well, which is maybe one of the most like ones that they might do. Um well, and you're also not getting like um Fucking, um, Jesus, I'm going to cut Sonatine from this list. That's insane to me. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Uh, Please you, tell me that Goofy, the Goofy movie is not beating Sonatine. The Goofy movie is not beating Sonatine. 
Okay. Sonatine might might. I could put Sonatine above Lady Snowblood and put it in at like where number ten is right now. So. Yeah. I watched some good fucking movies this year. (laughs) Um. And yeah, I feel like your list is going to be more like, God damn, those are all really good movies. Whereas mine has some like, eh, this may not last the, the test of time, but it's in here. <laughs> I'm okay. As you say that, I have 10 movies on my list, right? And I'm in the part of yeah. the list where it's stuff I've watched before the podcast started. So it's pretty short. Um, I've only got like, two more things to put on this list. Um, and I'm like staring, I'm like, is Zack Snyder's Justice League better than Sonatine? <laughs> yeah. This is the question I've asked myself, and I guess you'll know the answer to that. Um, once we start the show. <laughs> when you tell me that Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League is better than my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the Snyder Cut a lot. <laughs> Just the okay. grimace on my face. <laughs> okay. I have the list... It's currently 12 movies, so I need to make some chops, but uh, I'm probably going to adjust it a little bit more once we actually start the episode. But I am declaring the episode begun, so I'm going to give us like a little pause um, to edit. Wait. Yeah. Can I give you a little pause to edit, which is I'm going to go pee just to like... Yeah. Have peed. <laughs> yes. And we'll like okay. get in the, the right mindset for podcasting. The, the laptop is no longer yeah. on my lap. Okay. I'll be back. Man. On uh, listener, honest to God, I'm looking at this list. I've got Sonatine A ten, Perfect Blue Eleven, Justice League twelve. Man, I might put Justice League at ten. It's real fucking good. Also it'd make Nia so mad. Oh my god, she'd be so pissed. <laughs>